Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Recording live in studio, here's Nick and Matt. Mm, Welcome to episode 84, everybody. Yes, I am holding, look at this, double G craft jerky. So good. You want a, you want a piece? Ooh, I'd love a piece. Okay. Double G craft jerky, everybody. They and hey, how's it going, by the way, Evan? You're here. Can you put up Evan real quick? Oh, I'm doing oh, I mean go. Ben. <laughs> okay. He's eating jerky. Nice. And um what do you want, Ben? I'll I'll take the garlic if you got you it. You got that over there? Yeah, over there. Okay. This jerky is so good. My mouth is watering so much, and we did this. Talking about the jerky at the beginning of the show because we're so hungry <laughs> and it's so good. Um, let me see real quick. Put put me up full screen, Ben. This hat that I'm wearing right now has become my favorite hat. This hat comes in a player's pack. Let's throw it behind me like that. <laughs> comes in a player's pack, double G craft jerky, player's pack hat. You get a bag of jerky. Throw that behind me, I guess koozies you get cups minis you get this cool double g pen if you're into pens i guess p-i-n-s and then this is a cooler bag so if you want a player's pack go check out double g craft jerky there's a tab on there it says players packs they have lots of options you get your value the players are happy um you just tried this for the first time ben what do you think of this flavor garlic lover's dream is what it's called. <laughs> I am personally a fan. I, I haven't tried this one. I think it's wow. very textured, very beefy, moist. There's, um, speaking of beef, for those that are listening in the eloquent. car, they don't see the beef behind you. Nick, don't feel left out. We had some tech troubles coming into the show, but you're, you're there and you're, you don't have a piece of jerky with you, but you wish you did. So how's it going? I did. It's uh, it's going amazing. I feel bad because every single time I listen to the intro to our show, it always says recording live in studio, and I'm very rarely ever in studio. Today, I actually have my laptop, my microphone, and my webcam, but what do you know? The internet in this area right now is being hot garbage. So it's not allowing me to bring good quality, kind of like how I do it every week at this point. But on a side <laughs> note, my new apartment today. And so this week, I'll be figuring out the whole podcast studio when it comes to that. So I'm super excited. I got a guest bedroom that is literally going to turn into an office for all this. And new internet will be installed and all that jazz. So how bad do you wish that you had a piece of jerky right now? Uh, what's funny is I actually have some at my apartment that but originally not. <laughs> do the podcast. But then when I figured out that internet is <sighs> slow. So where the apartment is, is in the middle of nowhere. And... Yeah, so. Okay. Well, we want to yeah. send people over. Get your jerky. You can sign up for subscriptions. You get a little gift. If you put Nick and Matt in the code when you're checking out, you get a gift. Check it out. Thank you for the support. They're very happy, the fact that we eat their jerky on the show, and I'm trying to figure that out. I'm like, I'll keep eating jerky on our show as yeah. often as you want. Like, just keep sending it. It's excellent. I'm confused. So, no, I think it's because all of you listening and watching are like i gotta find out how good this jerky is and you do that so double g craft jerky <clears throat> okay i got Paige pierce texting me we've lined her up tonight for an interview following her win 
at, by the way, it's Texas, the Texas state, the 27th annual Texas state disc golf championship, but for short Texas states, mm-hmm. uh, we're lining her up. She says she's ready. Um, but we still have about 15 minutes or so before we bring her in. <clears throat> and with all of that being said, uh, Evan, do you mind go ahead and just kicking us off with a rundown of this last weekend's event? A lot of cool things happened, so you might have to be condensed down, but give it to us. All right, all right, I'll try. Uh, as you said, Paige Pierce took it down. Um, she was leading by five strokes going to the final round. That was her 12th time doing so in a Disc Golf Pro Tour Elite event. 12 times leading by five or, uh, five or more strokes going to the final round. There have been 25 total in FPO. Paige is responsible for 12 of them, almost half. One more, and no one else gets it, and she's there to half, which is crazy. It was a little bit scary, probably, for her. I mean, not scared. It's not the right word, but it got close at the end, but she still uh, held on to the lead and took it down. On the MPO side, Ricky Wysocki comes from behind. Calvin Heinberg is leading by a stroke, or two strokes. I honestly don't remember that, but Ricky Wysocki takes it down his sixth Texas state disc golf championship title from six attempts. He is six for six, an incredible run. Uh, and it, that's just incredible. Six for six. I actually should look up how many other players have gotten close to that. Um, but I think a notable story is Paul Macbeth comes out with the hot round in round one shot 12 down when no one was expecting to see anything double digits. And goes on to just not play the best the next round not uh, the best not the best <laughs> do you have did you look at not how the, did you look at how that played out like compared to the rest of the field because i started doing numbers like how many people played worse than paul and it's a very small number actually well yeah give it to me then if you were if you were running it i don't remember oh, okay i think it was like if you start getting down to the very bottom tier like that's a handful of 12 people or 15 people but if you like take that bottom bottom tier out it was like six people played worse than him. I think it was really, it was a, it was quite interesting. Yeah. And as bad as Paul Macbeth played and as much as we can rip on him for being towards the bottom of the tier, he still finished top 10 finished eighth overall, um, which is incredible that we can talk about how bad you played and you still get a top <laughs> 10 finish. Dude. But okay. Did you notice um, disc golf network was like on purpose, not showing Paul during the last round, which that's not normal. Like it was like, oh, you have Joel Freeman playing really well, and then Paul steps up to throw, and they're like, "Yep, we're cutting over to the lead card." That's not very regular. That's not normal. But yeah, and I will also say, Greg Barsby uh, stealing stealing's not the right word because he deserved it. Uh, earned a podium finish. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, incredible run there. He was notably the course designer uh, of this kind of new layout at uh, Texas States in Tyler, Texas, um, and got a lot of practice designing it and just kind of had a good feel of it whatever it is maybe he's just feeling good in his uh in his new hometown and uh surprised everyone with a well-deserved podium finish yeah the competition was needless to say if you watched it it was really it was just awesome awesome uh barsby (laughs) i was taking notes this week and i was like it's nice to see greg get the, at least once a year, <laughs> at least once a year spotlight. You're like, yeah. you don't hear from him. Sometimes he's like not even existent. It seems like he wins worlds a few years ago. Nick, what do you think of seeing Greg in the final round there? I mean, that was awesome. Yeah, I, I thought it was great. I mean, Greg Barsby's the man. He's a phenomenal disc golfer. Um, he's kind of 
like I don't want to say inconsistent, but like he'll have one of those tournaments where he either performs really, really well or it's just like a middle of the pack player. There's not a ton of tournaments by him where he completely drops the ball and doesn't do well at all. But um, for the most part, it, Greg Barsby is such a character. I watched him win Worlds back in 2018, so that was super cool. And to see him get himself on the podium at a course that he designed, I thought it was also pretty cool. And what was funny is I was I was scrolling through Twitter the other day and I saw someone tweeted something, but then Evan tweeted back at him. Like someone tweeted saying like, I don't know. I don't remember the exact tweet, but it was kind of like, isn't it foul play to see like the dude who designed the course on the lead card or the dude who designed the course doing well, something like that. And Evan responded back when it was just pretty much saying like, well, it's not like he has any magic juju because he designed the course. He might have a little extra practice at it, but no, all in all, I thought, I thought it was pretty awesome seeing Greg up there again. He was hitting some sick jump putts, which I thought was pretty sweet. His putting style is fairly unique. Like, I mean, unique as in everybody's, but like it's, he does this yeah. kind of swinging up nose down kind of a thing. And he just, yeah, it's really awesome. And to that point about like, does he have magic juju because he designed it? Like I, my thought is anybody can have that same advantage. Isn't it an advantage? I actually think it is, but it's not an unfair advantage. It's like we could go live down there for a four months and, practice the course too but like anyways g congratulations to him and we saw james conrad throw a forehand and kind of like smirk at himself like huh kind of impressed myself all right what speaking else of, you got speak speaking of james conrad really quick i don't know if you guys have seen on facebook or twitter or instagram lately but people have been doing compilations of james conrad getting mad after a show <laughs> oh, no. there was one of them where like he just barely slaps his hands like this or like oh he yeah. hit a little vegas and but like people post saying like oh james conrad absolutely heated after a shot at texas state and so i knew it was going to be something funny but i didn't get to watch it yet so when i clicked on it um it was literally james on the last hole or one of the holes i forget which one might have been the last one he's got this like 40 or 50 foot jump but he misses it low and he just looks at the basket and shakes his head like this you know <laughs> not making like outward outbursts or anything like that but it's just the funniest thing that that's become a pretty big joke now is James Conrad getting pissed off at events. The The way they're getting the videos of it, it, it actually it had me dying today. I was laughing so bad. <laughs> um, before we move on to FPO, which we got to do, there's that was exciting. And that's a whole topic there, just the excitement around FPO. But um, Nick, I never asked you to like dit like deal the dirt or, or i don't know the right deal on like paul but like oh. what what do you think happened like what do you think happened because i was waiting for him to come out and make an announcement like hey like i got poison ivy all over my hands or like uh something happened to my dog the night before like i was waiting for something to come out because paul usually doesn't like just have like a drastic down performance like what do you think nick uh i'll be totally honest so i haven't watched i watched day one's coverage live and then after that i had a tournament on saturday and then i had like the this friends event that i went to and so i didn't get to watch and have service so i couldn't watch saturday so i have no idea how his round went and then sunday same thing i had a tournament on sunday and i didn't leave there till about seven o'clock and same thing i didn't have service and I haven't talked to him about it yet. It's just more one of those things where, like, I don't want to text him and be like, <laughs> "Exactly, yeah. well, yo, dude, what happened." Like, it's not. I don't know. People think it's my place to do that, but it's really no, not no, no, time. no. You know what this means yeah. now, though, is after that hot round on Waco, it has flipped. The Carl curse means you have to watch. Oh yeah, you watched on Friday. He yeah. shot the hot round. 
then you had things to do and Paul just needed needed his support. Well, I hope I really hope that's not the case because the next like nine weekends in a row I have tournaments and so I won't be able to watch as much as I would like to. And post production, obviously the round happens afterwards, but so I haven't even gotten to watch any of that. I think I watched two holes yesterday of round two and I was so tired after my tournament because it was pretty cold and very windy. So you know when you get windburn really bad and your face just feels awful. That's literally when I got back. I just wanted to pass out. And so I, I think I fell asleep after one or two shots. But I don't know. Yeah, I, I honestly, I have zero idea. Um, I texted him earlier today. I sent him a picture about me throwing over a cow. And that's it. <laughs> me throwing over a cow. Uh, ben, you yeah. got to put your shot back up again. So this was Ben. <laughs> it's just funny. Yeah. The, one, the one that I threw over it didn't have horns on it, but I, I played probably one of the most redneck tournaments that I've ever been a part of, which was super funny to me, but I was playing on a working cattle farm. I was just playing a really small seat here, here in Virginia. And uh, it was on a working cattle farm and the, you know, property owner and the course designer said, they're like, look, if there's cows, just kind of walk towards them, shoo them away and they'll, they'll move. And as I was walking up to my starting hole, literally right next to the tee pad, there was two cows and I've, I've been around cows before. I've worked on a horse farm. I've helped work on a cow farm before. But when you're walking up to a beast that is a lot heavier than you are, it was kind of sketchy. And so as I'm slowly walking up to the thing, it kind of like gets startled. And I'm like, I'm about to get charged by a cow before a freaking C-tier. But uh, <laughs> I loved- no, ended up all moving. It was pretty sweet, though. But I posted a funny video of there was literally just a cow walking in the middle yeah. of the fairway. But I was playing, I was playing this big, massive par five. And I told, I asked my buddy, I said, dude, I got to do it for the gram. Will you just take a video really quick? And I just want to throw it over the cow. But what was really funny is actually, I, I finally watched that video today with the sound on. And I didn't realize like right before I'm about to throw, it actually moves. And so it was just funny. It tried to razz me mid throw. That was the best part. That, <laughs> yeah. It, that was the best part. I watched it. I had it turned up and it's like, the, <laughs> it just does this big yeah. move. Um, okay. So in the background while you're talking, we were doing a little bit back and forth with Paige. She ended up changing usernames, da 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 We're connect we're gonna be able to connect to her just fine, but let's get into FPO recap. And then we're actually gonna welcome her into the show in a little bit here. So that'll be perfect. So what happened in FPO, Evan? Uh like I said, Paige Pierce took it down. Uh Kristen Tatar and Katrina Allen tied for second. I believe one or two strokes back, but then it was a very, very wide gap to fourth place. Uh just kind of those top three kind of kind of off on their own island of competition um but not to undersell valerie mandohano finishes fourth she's playing been playing really well lately and i'll give uh charlie eisenhood a shout out he uh noticed that since the august 20 oh my gosh august 2021 of last year valerie mandohano has finished top five at every single event she has played that's nine straight in a row uh including many big uh, throw pink women's uh disc golf championship i think was it Ledgestone maybe is in that? If the Ledgestone is in August, I'm, I I didn't uh, track down every event that she did play, but it is nine straight, which is very, very impressive. Uh, and maybe she can continue that streak. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I get confused which show I'm on. I'm like, I talked about this. I don't remember if I talked about this on the new show, DGN League Night that I have with Jamie and my brother, but we did. I said, like, I am a very big fan. And well, I mean, when we had Valerie on, I was just stumbling over my words. This is awesome. I'm really a big fan. I have 
I don't think is it offensive to say like I don't think she's the next Paige Pierce, but like she is a contender. Like I think she's going to be a regular contender because this is a conversation. Is there ever going to be the next Paige Pierce or Katrina? Meaning is there going to be dominance anymore? Like in the next couple of years, will there be dominance in the FPO or is it just going to be really mixed mash of five, you know, people or six people? Like, I don't know. Um, but that yeah. was really exciting to see come down in the last hole. Paige had to hit some good putts to hold on and they were aggressive and risk filled. And it was a great story. If you didn't watch FPO, you missed out. It was, it was fun to watch. Um, Haley King was not there. Notably. She was traveling and, <laughs> tornadoes in her path kind of thing turned around for her own you know her own choice to do that and to feel safe for herself there's some speculation not speculation some questions out there like hey why doesn't Innova just fly her out there then like she can still make it in time and she's doing her thing right now I think we'll still see her show up but not at this event and that's notably in the first what three big events she showed up for one so okay and that's for that's doing uh, reasons. Yeah, last week when I was driving back from Texas and I called into the show really quick, uh, little did I know, actually, I kind of did know, but I didn't actually think it was going to happen. But about an hour and a half, two hours after I called into the show and talked with Chris for a bit, I was just about outside of Tyler, Texas. I was driving back to Virginia and all of a sudden there's like, it's pouring rain, it's pitch black, super windy. And then my phone, I get a tornado warning on it. And I was like, oh, you know, it's probably not that serious. I don't think one's actually going to touch down. And then I get into about 20 minutes outside of Tyler, Texas. I'm about five minutes southwest of, or south, excuse me, northeast of a town. Uh-oh. And there's about 30 cars underneath this overpass. So I pull over for a bit because maybe there is a tornado. And uh, long story short, I ended up having a, spend the night in Texas when I wanted to try to get to Mississippi the first night because a bunch of tornadoes were touching down all over the place. And that was pretty sketchy. So then I drove through Mississippi the next morning. I caught up with that same storm. And once again, another tornado touched down. I finally drove through the storm, finally got ahead of it. But good on Haley's part because that was pretty, pretty scary. Okay, so this is really, I mean, Nick, you were driving through it one direction. She was driving the other direction. You were all, the tornadoes, things were going crazy. Uh, brings me back to the, yeah. the movie growing up, Twister, when you see the cows flying yeah. by. I was thinking, like, someone should just rip. What would be the right disc? There's a hurricane, I know, by DGA. Is there another disc that you just rip into the tornado? Like, that would have been cool. But no one should do that. I'm not <laughs> suggesting you should do that. Yeah. All right. Um, actively look for a tornado because part of me storm really chaser. wanted to. And then, so a bunch of storm chasers flew by me on the highway. I'm, dude, I, I'm a slightly aggressive driver. Don't get me wrong. I, I drive a little fast. What? But, dude, when when it was pouring rain and I couldn't see more than 20 feet in front of my car, like an 18-wheeler passed me. I, I'm going 45. I got my hazards on. An 18-wheeler passes me on the highway. And within about two seconds, I can't even see the 18-wheeler anymore. Like, it's completely just in the rain, in the fog, in the wind, whatever. Water was going one way, and then the next day was going another way. I started seeing debris in the air, and I'm like, bro, I'm might get swept away right now. Like, not going to lie, my adrenaline was kind of pumping. And so I ended up calling up my brother, who lives in Oregon, but he works with, like, four or five computer monitors next to him. 
And I was like, dude, I need you to track the storm and tell me, am I ever going to get past this thing? Because I don't want to keep stopping and then catching up, stopping, catching up, because a 20-hour drive now turns into a 50-hour drive. And so I eventually drove through it. But I will say, one of the most eerie sounds in the world was the tornado siren. It's the first time I ever heard one before. And I felt like, if you guys ever watched the movie The Purge, when the purge <laughs> siren goes off, like I swear to God, when I was underneath the <laughs> I was like, bro, we are all about to get out of our cars and, and I'm not about this life. And it, dude, not... it was, it was pretty wild. I, I, that was probably the second most interesting drive I've ever had, like long distance. It was, it was pretty bad. Oh, Nick, you're making me laugh over here. Like we're, we're literally behind the scenes, almost crying. Yeah. Like I'm holding my breath as hard as I can, just yeah. laughing at you. Like I don't want to destroy people's eardrums. Besides that. Good conversations, yeah. good stories. You're from the Northeast. Tornadoes aren't, well, we've had a few, but not a big deal. Um, Evan's given us yeah. a rundown on the basic stats. We'll break down a lot more, talk about a lot more storylines later. But we do have lined up right now, Paige Pierce, everybody. Let's welcome her to the show. Uh, how's it going, Paige? Welcome to the Nick and Mash Up. Hello, it's going great. Yeah, I'm excited to hear about the tornado. You know, it's something that we've been had to get used to as a Texas girl. So it's funny to hear a Northeastern man talk about it, but yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> it is hilarious. And, uh, <laughs> it was, so I actually, so the night that I was driving from Austin to Texas, it was the day after Belton, uh, Monday night, I was driving through, I went down to go see a buddy who was in Austin. And as I'm driving back, you know, northeast at this point to get back to virginia i like i said i got about 30 minutes 20 minutes outside of tyler and i called up paul and i was like dude how's the weather out there because i'm in the middle of a storm and i'm pretty sure a tornado is about to touch down like i have no <laughs> idea what I'm under an overpass right now and he was like bro why are you driving have you not been here and i was like no i got the alerts i just didn't think they were actually that serious and so then you know then i, I will say the coolest thing about it though is I had actually put on a YouTube video of live storm chasers and there's one guy who's broadcasting it from like Kentucky and he's watching the radars, but then he's got like 10 storm chasers out in Texas and Mississippi and everything like that. And so I had it next to me. I wasn't like watching it, but I could listen to them. And it was, it finally got to a point to where I was past a tornado and all the tornado warnings were happening in like towns that I was passing, like had just passed through 30 minutes ago, 45 minutes ago, an hour ago, whatever. But, uh, yeah, if you get a tornado warning on your phone ever, uh, I would I would trust it. I, I know I will now because I definitely did before. Yeah, the thing about it is just you just never know when it's actually close to you or not. It's unpredictable. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Especially when there's wall clouds, there's certain ways that uh, or a storm cell. I'd never heard of that word before. And then they start talking about the storm cells. They're talking about the wall clouds. And then they, they did say, though, and if there's some meteorologist or someone who's a lot smarter than me in this, they did say because it was raining so much, it was giving the tornadoes a harder time to fully funnel and like actually touch. So I, I don't know if that's a real thing, but they were saying <laughs> that because it was pouring, there was like a wall of rain that was actually creating it so the tornadoes weren't <laughs> acting okay. as they Nick. And so I was pretty for that but at the same time i was definitely sketched out all right everybody we're gonna do a like a segment on this later where we just have a ticker like a time clock going how long will nick talk about his experience it was obviously impactful it was very it was no not, no more nick no more it was impactful i want to hear about 
Cage's experience. Yes. Winning for <clears throat> There we go. I'm more curious. I think everyone else is. All right. Congratulations, Paige. I will say that officially first um, pro tour of the year for a win that let me ask you, how much work goes into that? Like winning an event nowadays? Wow. It's unreal. You know, it's uh, pure focus until the very last putt drops. You know, it's like obviously Kristen taking an eagle on hole 17. uh, You know, I had to get four birdies in a row to close it out. So it's, uh, you know, it takes full focus and, and just like, you know, top notch performance. So for me, it's, you know, just a breath of relief once that pine, final putt drops. And it's just like, wow, you know, I, I set myself up, I put myself where I needed to be. And then I got the birdies when it mattered. So yeah, it, a lot goes into it. Definitely a lot. Yeah. And you've been on record, you know, hoping and praying and dreaming of an FPO field that would, you know, put the spotlight where it's deserved to be. And to win that, I, I, let me ask, I mean, is this the field you're dreaming of, or we still got a long way to go? Uh Oh, we just froze. Oh, there you are. Can you hear us? Paige? Yes, I can. Okay. I don't know if you heard the question. Do you need me to ask it? Yes, I did. I did. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, you know, if we're talking about Texas States in particular, um, it wasn't ideal for my, you know, when I'm talking about a competitor, I'm talking about uh, growing the sport in excitement and challenge and everything, right? So for me, I'm thinking of Texas States last year where anyone from the second card could have won the tournament. In this particular tournament, it was pretty much just the lead card in it for the win. So for me, when I'm thinking about what do I want as a competitor, I definitely wanted this fight till the end. I loved it, every moment of it. But I want what we're capable of. I want the battle like we had at Waco where anyone from the chase card could have won. I want to push the Disc Golf Pro Tour to get out media teams to the second card and to have a secondary a secondary media team to come do post-production for this chase card of FBO. And so I know that that is possible. I know that people from second card could challenge a win now. And that is something that I couldn't say confidently two years ago. So I, I feel very, very proud of where the FBO division is now. And I hope as fans and viewers, you guys are seeing that and feeling that when you're watching on Championship Sunday, you, you're on the edges of your seat and you don't know who's going to win. And that's what I want, you know, I, yes, I want to hoist that trophy and I want to be the winner, but I want you guys to be excited to watch and I want those views to grow because that is how this call grows. I will say, I definitely think uh, for me personally, FBO, watching FBO, one of my favorite things to do is actually watching the FBO coverage now. I love watching live disc golf no matter who's playing, but watching the FBO lately over the last few years has been incredible. I love the separate stream idea. I know Mixing up the tee times between last year and this year, I know, creates controversy in the own sense of the, its own sense of the word. But being able to watch the two separate streams has been nothing but incredible lately. And then actually being at some of these larger events, the FBO galleries have been, from what I've seen, pretty awesome. The FBO battles have been insane, especially over at Waco, was super fun. I didn't get to make it out to Texas States, but 
just seeing that battle, even I know, you know, not as many people were in it to win it, but seeing that battle, watching those live scores, especially at the end where, you know, Kristen shot four down in three holes and you had to finish four for four, like you were talking about those last four holes, you know, it was pretty, pretty incredible. I will say it's definitely on my end has grown to be a super awesome thing. Um, but I guess kind of where my question will go is what do you think it takes not specifically out of the other competitors, but in a sense, yeah, like where, what do you think it's going to take for the other competitors to get to that level consistently where they are potentially competing at the chase card? Like, what do you think other players need to do to elevate their game in the sense of how do we make it more competitive for everyone in a sense? Well, I think, you know, you're kind of seeing that at most events now, right? Where the first round, you know, whatever, if it's Friday, if it's Thursday, after the first round concludes, you kind of see the leader separated from the second card by three to four strokes. And that is something in the past where that has been the case for men. But for the women, that three stroke gap would be between first and second, not first and chase card. So I think that we've already kind of done that. We've already closed the gap. And I think that is due to the amount of effort that these younger players are putting in, you know, the Valerie Mandujanos and the Kona Panises, they're out there every single day and not just every single day, but the entire day. You know, I play this golf every day, maybe take one day off here and there and do business calls. I mean, like you never take a day off, but it's like, okay, maybe I have some other kind of work to do that day. But the Kona Panises, the Valerie Mandujanos, Alexis Mandujano, the you know, Stacy Haas, all of those girls, they're out there every day spending six plus hours a day making sure they're getting putting. Lisa's, Lisa Ficus is in my backyard right now with her, like, whatever they call it, the pound bag full of putters. She's got 25 putters in my backyard putting right now. So while I'm doing whatever I'm doing, they're out there practicing. So um, yeah. I think that just goes to show you is we know that the prestige has rose, uh, risen. And so the level of practice and the level of de dedication also has to rise to match that. Okay. Yeah. I can hear the chains. I can hear the chains banging and I'm like, damn it, Lisa's getting an edge on me right now. <laughs> She's getting the edge. Um, yes. I, I mean, I, that was some of the questions I had in here too, about things that you have to do to outperform others there's sacrifices that you have to make as a pro athlete that people don't always see uh i'm not gonna go down that road right now although some people are like why'd you even bring it up matt <laughs> because we got a lot to fit in with Paige here and i wanted to touch on the um post round interview one you told somebody stop crying who was that if you don't mind Alyssa. okay <laughs> that was kind yeah. of my guess you're like you stop crying um but in part of that you obviously based off the emotion I saw there's you know things that you deal with as a person and you have it intermingle with your career of disc golf and, you, and you're managing both of those and that's something I'd talk about at some point but you talked about in there it quoted push past what everyone is saying can you elaborate on that more yeah you know I think I actually saw an interview that Kristen did where she said you know 95 percent of the comments are positive and uh, you know, how disc golf is that special um, kind of, I, I forget the words she used, but like, basically it's like a uh, an engaging community and like a, um, a, a pleasant 
field of people, right? Well, I am so happy for her. I truly, truly am. But for me, that is not the case. You know, whatever it may be, you know, people say like it's only at the top, whatever. But truly, in my recent career, it feels like people are tired of seeing me win. People don't, oh, okay, I want to cheer for someone else. And hey, I do too. I want to see new players come up. I want to see new players challenge me. I want to play against new players. But for me, it's it's like, why spread that hate, right? So I went to a Dallas Cowboys game recently. I'm an avid Dallas Cowboys fan. We them boys. But um, they were playing the Broncos this game. And the Broncos come out of there. And I'm sitting Dallas Cowboys side of the field. And the Broncos come out of the tunnel. And as the Broncos come out, you know, they're right. I had really good seats. I sprung for these good seats. They're my, my stepdad. He's hardcore Cowboys fan. And I was mm. like, you know what? This is your Christmas present. Like I'm going to spring for these seats for you, like whatever. And we were like very close up. And so we like, I mean, I can lock eyes with these Denver Broncos players and they're coming out of the thing. And I'm just standing up. I'm like, sick, you know, hell yeah, Von Miller. Like every one of you, you know, amazing. I'm excited to watch you work today. You know, Mm. I want the Cowboys to win, but I'm excited for this battle that's about to ensue. And Mm -hmm. unfortunately that did not ring true for all of the people around me, behind me, in front of me. It was uh, just boo. And it was just this moment where I just, I was standing up clapping in my Cowboys uniform, granted, and I'm clapping and I just sat down and I had this moment of like, wow, I never want my competitors fans to boo for me. I never want my fans to boo for my competitor. You know, what is that, that channels so deep in us that we want someone to win so bad that we boo for someone else or we feel so insecure in ourselves that we you know like hate on someone else like what is that and I can't say that I haven't felt that way before of course I have we're all humans right but why do we do that you know and so anyway that that game left me feeling with just like why do we have to do this? So anyway, you know, I, I feel this hate. I, I see the hate. I hear the hate, whatever. People think I purposely cheated at Worlds and missed the Mando and I knowingly did this. People think whatever they, you know, I stopped reading the comments, but sometimes, you know, people tell me about them. Some, someone screenshots it and says, hey, do you want to address this? And it's like, you know, if, if I win or if I lose and they want to say, oh, this is why she's losing, okay but then I win and it's like oh who cares that she won this is still it's like you know what at the end of the day I feel so much pride in myself that I hushed all of that and I quieted it and there's my puppy sorry (laughs) and I got that those voices quiet enough and to to surpass that And I went birdie, 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 birdie when the best players in the world are right there challenging me every second of the day. It just is Uh such an uplifting feeling for me. And that is, I mean, no matter what age you are, that's what you're trying to do, right? You're trying to instill this confidence in yourself that, hey, 
what you're doing has a reason and has a purpose and just keep pushing. It doesn't matter what anyone says or thinks like just keep grinding, keep going. If you are consistent and you are confident and you're happy in what you're doing, just keep going. Don't worry about anything else. So unfortunately with 2022, that technology, we hear all those voices, you know? Um, but I think that is why I love the game of golf is because it prevents you, it presents you with all of these obstacles that you have to surpass and, you know, to, to win a tournament when you're hearing all that and, and feeling all that, it's just like, just this breath of fresh air and like, I am capable. Hmm. Uh, welcome uh -huh. to our Ted talk. Like, I'm going to re-listen to that one. <laughs> that was good. Um, yeah. And partly because yeah. like, even, even Simon is on rec, Simon Lazat and, and many others I'm sure are on record as saying like, Simon doesn't even, I, I hate to throw him out there like this, but I think he said it. He doesn't even I'm like, sure to, he, he doesn't like to look at comments on, on the internet because even he gets bothered by the negative comments that come out and you're like, Simon gets negative. Yeah. Like, of course I get my fair share, probably more <laughs> negative than anything. Thank you to my fans. But like, it's just part of it, but you're talking about how you've navigated that. And I feel like you are someone that I've come to think is very insightful um, especially when in regards to your development as a person and that's internal and interactions with others. And I think you're thoughtful at providing answers and it often seems like you're just being transparent and vulnerable. I, I have to ask this question. How are you managing both the personal and the professional? I saw you on with, uh, what's that guy, Corey from Wolfpack. And I was watching the Jomez production that you did. And you even asked that question, like, how, how do you manage this balance between like who I am and like my disc golf career? Can I ask this? How are you managing both the personal and professional? And do you believe either of them, your personal or professional is having a negative impact on the other? So like, is your personal life having a negative impact on your professional career? And is your professional career having a negative impact on your personal life? Like, how do you, how do you feel about that? Yeah, well, for me, I mean, I've been on the road for 12, I think this is my 13th season. Uh, I started traveling at, in 2010. So um, for me, it's it's pretty much been my entire adult life. And so I would say my professional career has definitely affected my personal life. Um, I, you know, I recently last off season, I went to Hawaii for two months and I completely disconnected. I didn't really have my phone at all. I was at a place where they didn't have Wi-Fi. You know, if I needed to go to Wi-Fi, I went to like a coffee spot downtown or something like that. But I purposely did that. I wanted to go someplace where I didn't know anybody. Um, yes, there was a disc golf course and yes, it was warm. So if I wanted that, I could go. But I wanted to find out who I was as a person outside of disc golf because for the last 13 years, it has only been disc golf. And so I didn't even know what I wanted to talk about outside of disc golf. Like if I'm meeting someone in an airport and they see my shirt that says Paige Pierce, they're like, oh, or, you know, whatever this says on it. Yeah. Discraft. Like they're like, oh, okay. Disc golf. Oh yeah. Let's talk about that. And it's like, I don't want to wear anything disc golf. I don't want that. If it comes up. Yes. That's my biggest passion in the entire world. I'm going to talk to you about it, but I don't want that to be why we talk, you know? maybe it finds its way into the conversation. So definitely the latter, it has affected my personal life. I don't think that my personal life has been affected by disc golf with the exception of, 
you know, I just haven't had much time for family or friends. You know, I, I've kind of lost touch with some friends because um, six days out of the week, I'm so strongly in, engulfed in disc golf, whether it's tournament round, practice round, driving to a tournament or just a relaxation day. Um, I don't want to be on my phone for those days. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's an interesting life because people always ask you, Oh, what does it take to go on tour? What's it like? What's it like? And it's like, you really have to have energy all hours of the day. I mean, like I said, Lisa just drove through the night. She's out there practice putting. She's getting ready to come on here. And like, you know, there's no real time for personal time, you know? So to just be alone for 30 minutes is like a treasure. So for me, uh, I think that's been the biggest sacrifice over the last decade has just been, it's always moments of being Paige Pierce and it's never just like, hey, I'm Paige, you know? It's like, okay, here I am with my side pony and my little hat and my polo and like, hey, I'm Paige Pierce, nice to meet you, thanks for supporting. And very, very rarely is the moments of like, Hey, how's it going? I, and I know I've shared those moments with you, Matt, and I really, really treasure those moments. So, um, yeah, that, that is far and few and far between. Wow. Yeah. And I'll just reciprocate. Oh. I, I feel the same way about those moments. I really appreciate that. Cause I, I just see that as disc golfers are people too. And like, that's what I wanted. I want to get to know the person. And so anyways, but this is a disc golf show, Nick, what do you got? <laughs> <laughs> I guess, I mean, to kind of, I guess, bring it to, you know, a different note, we're upcoming on one of the big majors, but there are a couple of Silver Series events happening before this major in Georgia. Are you playing any of those? Are you taking some time off for preparation for the major? How is your schedule looking leading up? Because this year's schedule for disc golf, I would say, is one of the busier schedules. So how are you leading up into these bigger events? Are you taking time off or just kind of grinding it out through a lot of them? Yeah, I made sure to... Um, well, for one, I don't want to sign up for any tournament that I don't feel fired up about. And so for me, I, when I look at the schedule and I see that there's, I think it was 19 pro tour events plus the three majors, um, you know, that's 22 events already. And so I was like, okay, that seems sufficient to me. Um, if there's a silver series, I feel really fired up about, I might sign up for that. But as of this moment, I have no silver series on my schedule. Um, 22 events seems plenty enough for me. Um, and I just want to make sure I keep that fire going. I, I want to, if I sign up for the tournament, I want to put my entire being, my heart, my soul into it. And so for me to have those few weeks off at home, I mean, right now I have off time and I think I'm at home for eight days. Um, even though I'm taking two weekends off, I only have eight days at home. Um, but yeah, on today's Monday, I'm flying Wednesday at 6 a.m. I fly to Discraft for two days to go have some meetings. My contract ends this year. So we're kind of having some talks of what the future would look like. Are we, um, are we happy with what's going on? How do we want to continue? Do we want to continue? Stuff like that. So we are going to be brainstorming and figure out what uh, the future looks like for us together in partnership. And, um, you know, a lot of my job at this point is, yeah, it's on the course and getting birdies, but a lot of it is also on the business end of things and how I want to, what I want to leave behind, you know, when my time's up, I'm about to be 31 years old. So probably got like 
what maybe 10 more years of like prime and so yeah what start setting myself up for the future and and what kind of growth initiatives i want to start putting in place for the next generation and uh you know growing the women's side of the sport so uh those kind of things mm -hmm. those conversations are happening this week and then um yeah i think you know as far as what else is going on in that week? Uh, like I said, Lisa's here right now, enjoying Pensacola, and then Hannah and Evelina will be here in five days. So I'm gonna give them a little bit of uh, beach paradise before the Champions Cup and just kind of get some uh, recuperation and, and just a, like a little recharge before we get into probably the biggest event of the year thus far, which is the first major of the year at the Champions Cup. Um, there's actually a course nearby called Pecan Hollow that is pretty reminiscent of the Jackson. So I think we're gonna go hit that a few rounds and uh, maybe get some cool. practice at those courses. So as we get ready, I, I heard Lisa Fakus is around, so we'll, we'll find her in just a minute, but how's that documentary coming along? You probably get asked a fair amount about that, but that's a, that was a big to-do. Will, uh, Wilson is nice enough to hit me up every now and then and be like, hey, oh. like here, here's how it's coming and send me some like behind the scenes stuff. And I love that stuff. But cool. last I heard, it was voiceover kind of thing. Like, where is it at now? And how are fans going to, like, the majority of fans, how are they going to see it? Yeah, well, you know, we, when I do something, I do it big. And I try to, I shoot for the stars. And, you know, maybe I fail, but that is the number one goal. And so for me, what is the number one app you have on your phone, right? Probably Netflix. You know, everyone, if you're watching something, it's on Netflix, right? So for me, that is the holy grail of what I want to happen. We've actually had two meetings with the people at Netflix. Um, I have a, a close friend of mine who their brother works at Netflix. So luckily we have an in there and we're trying to solidify a plan and kind of let them know like, hey, this is a big deal. Um, we've gave them the link to watch the full length feature film. Now it's completely done. Uh, like you said, yeah, the last update was that we were doing the voiceover and the narration. Uh, as of now, the film is completely done. Now it's just figuring out who wants to put it on their platform. So like I said, Netflix is our number one ideal goal. If that doesn't go well, um, we're talking to, and this is straight from Wilson's mouth, we're talking to distributors and aggregators, which I said, what is aggregator? And he's telling me distributors are the traditional sense of like, hey, people that want to get it on the Netflix, the Hulu, whatever aggregators are more of like, oh, if you want to put it on iOS or some kind of app, right? So I could put it on DGN tomorrow, you know? I could put it up on my YouTube page tomorrow, but that's not what I want. I don't want it to go to disc golf fans. I want it to go to people that have no idea what disc golf is. So for me, it's a lot longer of a wait than I wanted, but I'm so happy because of the opportunity that could be up ahead. So um, yeah, like I said, this uh, having it on Netflix is the ideal goal. So hopefully, fingers crossed, everyone send good wishes up that uh, those, those meetings and those conversations are going to lead to good things. Yeah, I'm ex I'm excited and totally looking forward to it. And if it's on Netflix, that will just be very, <laughs> I don't know how to say it, very cool, very, very neat. And I'm sure for you, in a lot of ways, yeah. spectacular accomplishment. That'd be really neat. Um, gotcha. 
All right. Um, so, yeah, I heard Lisa is around. You said she's out there putting. If you just give a little holler, is she going to come running? Yeah, I, I did hear her recently. So let me. Let All right. Me let's see. see. She's going to she's going to try to grab Lisa there. We're actually going to get into um, a few a few options here. Actually, I, I realized we didn't open up the phone lines tonight. I don't know. Maybe we won't. Let's go. Let's let's see here. Let's go ahead and jump into uh, stat or fiction. Ben, take it away. Stat or fiction. Presented by Stat Mando. All right. This is the game show page. And and Lisa can move over just a little bit. So we're going we're going square here and the camera shot. There you are. What's up, Lisa? How are you doing? Hey, Nick. Good. How are you? Good. Long time no talk. Up, I think last time you were in your RV. Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> or your van, your van. And Paige, I think this might be the first time I've ever, we've had you on the show where you were in your house or at home. So I think so, yeah. All right, this is the game show. Wow. Evan Evan can tell us how to play it. We'll let him do that. So Evan, go ahead and tell us how you play this one. All right, I'm going to give you guys a statement, um, and you're going to tell me if you think that statement is a stat, as in it's true, or that statement is fiction, as in it is not true. Uh, and you'll get okay. a point if it's correct and whoever has the most points at the end wins and the way we're going to do it because lisa lisa's there is like you guys get a little advantage where you guys can kind of discuss amongst yourself but you'll get one point for your team yeah okay nice all right so evan and by the way the way this game came about was evan said some outrageous stat this didn't used to be a game segment he said some stat like paul Macbeth earned a hundred thousand dollars at ledstone and we all lost our minds. We're like, there's no way that's true. And then he realized he was wrong. And I said, we need to make a segment out of this. So you're going to hear some stats that could be outrageous, but you have to decide if they're stat or if they're fiction. All right, Evan, okay. take it away. All right. So um, we saw Ricky Waisaki take it down at Texas States over this past weekend. And with that, Ricky Waisaki has won more NPO events in Texas than he has in any other state. Mm, and um, we're going to make Nick go first. <laughs> I think I always go first, so I'm not surprised. Uh, let's see. I'll go, I'll go stat on that. I'm thinking there might be one other state in my mind, but I'll say stat for now. Okay. I am going to say, yeah, other states. Um, what other state does he play in a lot where he wins a lot? I mean, Texas is really big. I feel <laughs> like it's safe. <laughs> I feel like it's safe to say stat. All right. I'm going to say stat. All right. Paige and, uh, Lisa, you guys are up. I mean, I can't think of another state that he would be. Just know he's never lost at Texas states. Right. It's pretty impressive, but like he's from Ohio. Right. Okay, there you go. California. I thought California, maybe. That's the only other state I would feel comfortable with, but Michigan. Stat. 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 All right, Paige and Lisa say stat. Real quick, if you head over to not you, not not Paige and Lisa, but if you head over to statorfiction.live, you can participate um, via polling. Like you can have your answers come up on. There it is. 84% said stat. So let's see Evan give it to us. Uh, 
this is a stat. Wow. Uh, and I'll give credit over to uh, Paige and Lisa. You guys are right on top of it, guessing stat correctly, but also Ohio is the next highest. That's his original home state. I think he left South Carolina, or, or now he does Arizona. <laughs> Um, I've been so sure to be like, I think that's like his original. Home. Never mind. That's a whole nother segment. Well, this win is what set him, uh, set him apart from a tie with Ohio to now Texas has 14 wins for Wysocki, 13 in Ohio, and California is third with nine. So Cali was my other one because I was like, I wonder if there's some random A tiers way back in the day that Ricky just kind of. So Cali was the other one that I was thinking. Ohio, I was, I was thinking more South Carolina because I don't know how long he lived in Ohio or how many events he played. I figured we were, I don't know, but I'm glad we all got it right. All right. Okay, re reset reset the poll, Ben. And again, stat or fiction live, you can participate, or Ben's putting it in the YouTube chat as well. All right, here we go. Question two. Uh, stat or fiction number two. Uh, I don't know if people noticed, but Henna Blomru shot a fantastic final round, uh, shooting the solo hot round uh, to finish seventh place. Uh, this was her first solo hot round in any Disc Golf Pro Tour Elite event. Mm, and I'm first. And, and I'll clarify, solo hot rounds being she's the only one to shoot that score, which was the best score for the round for the division. Uh, it's not, you know, she shot six down. If two people shot six down, it wouldn't be a solo hot round. It would have been a shared hot round. So I'm saying this is their first solo hot round in any Disc Golf Pro Tour Elite event. So for me, the fact that you're saying specify down to Pro Tour Elite, how many has she actually competed in? And how many would she have done that in? I feel like, wasn't it 2020? Her first year over? Starting at Vegas, maybe? Um... I feel like, oh man, I don't want to undersell her. Like, I feel like she's good, but that's really, uh, yeah, I'm giving that a stat. I'm saying stat. Uh, Paige and Lisa, you're up. Thinking absolutely no way, but now when you say that, it's like the Disc Golf Pro Tour Elite. Totally, you're right. She first year was 2020 and she came to Vegas and the Waco. Memorial, right? Was the Memorial. And Wago, which I know Evelina want, shot all the hot rounds that that event. So it pretty much just puts her between Vegas and Vegas this year. Waco went before COVID, mm. and then this year. Got to well. stat then. There's not enough tournament time. I think so. I played with her that round too. She shot fire the last round. Yeah, um, <laughs> I didn't realize she was killing it like that. But. Yeah. I can't think of another round, like you said. I mean, I would kind of lean towards probably, but... Yeah, we'll go uh, stat. We'll go stat. Okay. But that doesn't discredit her as a player. She's oh, definitely no. killing it. She's amazing. Yeah. Now, Evan, we're talking like Disc Golf Pro Tour, no Euro Tours or anything like that, or are we talking Euro Tour as well? Uh, nope, just Disc Golf Pro Tour Elite events. Okay, I'll go, I'll go stat as well. All right. This is fiction. Uh, Come on. She actually played one event in 2019. That was her first event uh, on the Disc Golf Pro Tour. It was the 2019 Jonesboro oh, 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 Open. Oh, yeah, Jonesboro. 
It was round two. She shot a 10-19 rated round for the solo hot round. Um, this was the second time she has shot a solo hot round for a Disc Golf Pro Tour Elite event. Ironically yeah. enough, both times the winner of that event was Paige Pierce. That's when she was sponsored by Pro Discus, and they flew her out, and she played. Yep, I remember that. And Worlds, she came for that year. Yep. Very cool. Burrow. Wow. 2019. All right. So that makes it all tied up at one going into the final I, question. I find it interesting. We didn't announce the stat results on that one, but there was it was like 75% saying stat. And I'm curious, whoever answers first, like sways it. Like I'm talking all these things. Like they're like, yeah, stat. But I don't know. So Paige and Lisa are going to answer first on this one. And what is the score? Are we tied, Ben? One, one, one. Correct. Okay. One, one, one. Yep. One, one, one. Yeah. All right, okay. going to the final question. And if it is tied after, we will have a tiebreaker. Um, Greg Barsby finished third at this event. Uh, this was Greg Barsby's first elite series or major podium finish since he won Worlds in Vermont. This is a Paige and Lisa answer first, but you can talk it out, but you guys are first. First impression. Since Worlds, which was what year? 2018. 2018. He won in 2018, four years ago. I feel like 2019. I don't remember seeing him. I feel like in Cali. Was he up there, maybe? Maybe. Could have been. Masters Cup? My first impression was like stat, but it could. If you're feeling. Yeah, there's a chance of Masters Cup, but I'm not so sure about that. 1921. That gives us three years. Barsby. We gotta give him some credit, right? <laughs> I'm not remembering it. I'm not either. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me, but I'm not recalling it. Like, this is my first instinct. Stat. Stat, stat. All right. They come in with stat. Nick, you're up. Evan, Evan, repeat it one more time for me. Uh, yeah. Um, this was uh, Greg Barsby's first elite series or major podium finish since he won Worlds in Vermont. Right. I, I wanted to say European Open, but I'm pretty sure that was 2017, which for some odd reason I was thinking it's 2019, but it wasn't. That was the year Ricky and Eagle were battling it out, and then Paul came back and won. But so I guess I'll go. Oh crap. <laughs> I guess I'll go. Was, there, was it Maple Hill? I know he did great in 2015 at Maple Hill. Damn. I'll go. I'll go stat as well. Oh, come on. all right. I'm doing stat, and everyone's gonna be like, "It's because he doesn't want to be out left out." Because, but I could win if I said fiction. If I thought it was fiction, and this has happened before, I just feel mm -hmm. like this is a stat. And then Evan's going to do it. This happens every time Then Evan goes, it's his fiction. <laughs> so let's see. All right. The poll is coming in at 60% stat, 40% fiction. So they're pr that's the most split I've ever seen it. All right. Let's see what happens, Evan. This is fiction. <laughs> I told you this is what happens. Uh, he came in second at a national tour. About a month after oh, Worlds. Delaware Challenge. Nope. Uh, oh. Hall of Fame Classic. Finished oh. second to Paul Macbeth. So that was after Worlds. Uh, was a month after. 
2018. Wow. Well, it was September. Yep. That was just a really late event. So oh, okay. it, it's oh, been a while. Yeah, it was October 14th was Hall of Fame Classic. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, we now now we need a tiebreaker. And now let me let me say this real quick. Is this a tiebreaker going to be like you've kind of done it in the past where it's like closest to, there's a lot of options kind of thing? Or uh, I was planning a closest to. Okay. I can, I can pivot if we want. No, we... the reason I'm doing this, and I will say uh, real quick, Paige, I don't think you are eating of meat or beef jerky, but you know who Double G is, and they have a great product, and they sponsor our show. Um, Paige is, unless you want it, Paige, they'll give you, they'll give you a free sample variety pack of jerky, but, or if you would like to, you can give it away to one of our listeners right now. We're going to let them play along with this game. So what would you like to do, Paige? Well, do you want it? Okay. All right. So then Lisa, what you have to, we're going to do two. We're going to do two here. Lisa, you get the variety pack. All you have to do is reach out to double G craft jerky. And they will hook you up with a variety pack. Say you're on the Nick and Matt show. And we are still going to. Yes, the Nick and Matt show is coming through. I wish we had a little bonus sound going off right now. <laughs> we're, we're still going to gift it to someone in the, the fan base here. So this has to be live. So, Ben. Yes. The first person you see, you're going to have to, like, I don't know, whisper it to Ben somehow. Or, like, I don't know, something. Yeah, text me. I, I, text I can, me if you oh, can. Or, can okay, Evan can watch the chat. Oh, okay. yeah, true, yeah. true, true. So the first one that Evan sees, that's correct. And then we're obviously playing our own game here as well. Okay, here we go. All right. We're going to keep it on Barsby and Podiums. What year was his first Elite Series or major podium finish? And this is not a free-for-all. So it's a it goes around, right? Like... Yeah, whoever wants to jump in first with their guess, although and you're kind you of at a disadvantage. If and, you but you first, can answer but. no, you can answer the same thing if that's really what you believe it to be. You can answer it, and I'm gonna say nineteen. Wait, what was it? Major or what? Elite series or major? Elite series or major? I'm gonna say 1998. Yeah. Or wait. Yeah. I said 98. Okay. Paige and Lisa, what do you think? Early, early. I'm just blindly. <laughs> <laughs> Although we're discussing. Yeah. Don't listen. Did you see an answer yet, Evan, in the chat? Yeah. Okay. I, I'm going to okay. text Ben the name. That's okay. He's okay. marking it down. Someone in the chat got it right already, so everyone else can stop <laughs> guessing. Unless you just want to have it on record what you guessed. We're, we're doing the... Um, Jeopardy sound right now for Paige and Lisa, by the way. They, they're whispering back and forth to each other. They don't want Nick to win. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> seven. 2000. Man, I was, I'm, maybe wow. I'm way off. Nick, what do you got? I was actually up for one of the 2000s, but now I'm going to have to change it up a little bit. I'll go, I'll make it, uh, yeah, I'll go 2010. Wow. Okay. Wow. Oh. Anybody get it right, or are you just gonna do who's closest? I'm gonna do who's closest. Part of me, okay. Part of me, go ahead. Part Nick. of me also wants to then say it was 2015, but I feel like that's way too late. No, that's too late. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we have an exact winner in the chat. Yep. Uh, one of you three uh, was very close, but did not have it right, but was very close, and that was 
Paige and Lisa. Whoa. You guys guessed 2007. The correct answer is 2006. And I saw Stephen Dolan, I believe, in the chat say 2006 first. It was at the Players' Cup. It was a major in 2006 in November. Say it again. In Ocala, Florida? Um, Yeah, I just have Florida. I, I I don't have the location pulled up, but I'm sure that is correct. Nice. Eric McCabe won that one. Oh, okay. Smart. Nice. Wow. So it sounds to me I'm like glad. Paige is the winner of this game and that she should uh, probably maintain her winning streak next time she comes on. Lisa said 2007, so yeah, we, we brainstormed pretty good. Actually, Avery Jenkins won that event. Eric McCabe and Greg Barsby tied for second. Oh, um, okay. and it was in Crystal River, Florida. Crystal I don't River, okay. know if that's different than Ocala or not. Sometimes it's just suburbs of the town. Mm-hmm. Okay, so pa- yeah, Paige and Lisa take that down. Lisa again, reach out to D. Um, sorry, Double G Craft Jerky. They'll send you a variety pack. And then in the uh, listeners there, Stephen Dolan. Yes, reach out to us steven because the they'll they don't like every fan under the sun saying they were on nick and matt and got a, a packet of jerky we've, we've had people do that they're like we heard based off of nick and matt i can get free jerky and they're like no you can't so no no it doesn't actually work like no, that so, so contact us through our socials and we'll hook you up that way all right um so lisa you're here and uh you're, you're we might as well ask a few questions while you're hearing make this what's going on ben getting excited over there maybe go two up there or three up and swap out there we go boom we have a, an intern producer here and he's doing an excellent job put yourself up on camera real quick there he is so <laughs> <laughs> all right we tried to find a longhorn for the texas swing there but that no luck at least on the stock footage okay um so Lisa, you're traveling around in your van still, and you're down in Florida. Are you uh, hanging out until the major? Or are you playing some events in between? Silver Series, what do you got? Yeah, I've got two events before the major. First is Throw Down the Mountain. Not part of the tour at all, just a fun event, kind of to break it up. And I've never been, so I'm super excited to be there um, for that this coming weekend. And so I'm on the way to Brooksville, but I stopped here. I wanted to get some beach time today, a little off day. 80 degrees. 80, perfect weather, perfect day out there. Awesome. And after that, Tallahassee. So yeah, one more silver series and then straight to Georgia. Okay. It was a a high, a high of like 26 in Massachusetts today. Oh. So the beach, beach sounds wonderful. Hey, can I ask you both are there? This is a again two for one. We get answers on this. And you can both share, one can share, you can decide. You can do discussion before you answer. How do you treat Silver Series in your mind? Are they as big of a win if you if the field is strong? Like meaning like if the field's there, do you care if it's a silver series or not? Or is it less just because it's a silver series? Or is it again, what's your answer to that? I mean, we probably have different answers, right? Yeah, I mean, I, that's a really good question. I mean, I, I think kind of a little bit of both, like the field size, like who's playing in it. Like if all the elite players are there, it feels super elite. If we're missing one or two elite players, there is kind of an asterisk, like you didn't beat everyone kind of thing compared to an elite series where everyone is there. So silver series are like, I guess one step below, I guess, like in our minds, in my mind, 
but it's still like super elite depending on the field, the tournament and the field and all that. Um, like me winning a couple silver series the last couple years, one each year, I believe. Um, like it felt pretty big cause I was playing against, you know, some elite players there. Um, so yeah, I think it really actually depends on the field size and sort of the quality of the event. Yeah, I think for me, it's like, I mean, even the one that you won that I was at was the Silver Cup, mm -hmm. and you bested me and Haley mm -hmm. and Ellen Wibboom, mm -hmm. and, you know, it came down to the very last hole. Yeah. So it feels elite no matter what, as long as the people that are there are really involved and into it. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it goes to the player's commitment to the event, really. Um, but like she said, like not every time you're going to see all those players. Like I know that myself, Katrina, Kristen, none of us are going to be at the events this mm -hmm. weekend, Music City, nor um, Tallahassee, uh, Throw Down the Mountain, any of those. Yeah. So it's kind of like whatever you make it, right? It's if you go to the event and you think, hey, this is a huge deal, and then you win that event, you should still think it's a huge deal, regardless of who's there or what, you know? no matter who you're competing against, it still takes a hell of a lot to win a tournament. I can speak, you know, from my own experience, just playing like a C tier in Plano, Texas, like it still takes full focus and full commitment to win the tournament, even though you may feel like, oh, the field size is small and, you know, whatever, like it's still, you really have to focus. And especially at elites, uh, sorry, silver series these days, Definitely. The cameras are there, the the press conferences, everything still feels like it's an elite series. So Definitely. I think. Yeah, just yeah. having the DGP name attached to it, it really, yeah, makes it almost elite, but just like one step below that. Mm -hmm. Like, like that's about it. Yeah. But like you said, the feel is sometimes the exact same. Yeah, the feeling as a player, I think is probably about the same, but to sponsors, to other entities, maybe it's different. But as a player, when you win that event, you are stoked. You have the motivation or the momentum, like Ricky talks about. You have the confidence going into the next event. So for me, I think, you know, if you're playing that event and you win it, you probably have uh, somewhat of a, like an advantage going into the next week. Definitely. Awesome. So, I guess I got, I got one more question just because I think this is actually really cool to have different opinions on it, especially in the FBO side. A lot of courses lately over the last, let's say, five years for the tour have been changing. Uh, one of the ways that they are changing is to being longer, more open. I course that you guys played last weekend wasn't just an absolute bomber course. It wasn't completely wide open. But we have seen over the last few years courses kind of take on that general direction. How do you feel about it? And do you have any preference or is it more you're just out there to compete? Doesn't matter where you're going to. You're just there to play disc golf and try to get a W. I personally enjoy park courses. I like courses like De La Viega, like Idlewild and so on. Like those kind of tighter courses like Brewster Red. Okay. It kind of, it kind of your, your <laughs> Skype kind of froze up there. If you can hear us, I can hear you, but you're frozen up okay. a little bit. Okay. Now you're back. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I like the challenge of like having the woods in there um, and having more of a diversity um, and not just being like, 
we're on another ball golf course. Um, however, you know, you gotta have like, um, you know, just good game plan, good placement going into these like bigger courses. I feel like I can actually thrive on any course. So um, I just like to see diversity and not just have like one kind of standard moving forward. I really like park courses basically. Okay. Can you hear what you're saying now? Yes, we can hear you. It, it is, I think oh, it's yeah. frozen back and forth, but we actually lined up. We opened up the phone calls. We have a, a live caller that, um, Paige, do you want to answer that question before we take the live call? Yeah, sure. I think it's a, it's a complicated answer because it's like the reason Definitely. that we travel all around the country is to experience different types of terrain and climate and courses, right? And trees and whatnot. You know, some courses have pine trees and rows. Some courses have just sporadic evergreens, you know, and it's cool to uh, challenge our game on different levels like that. But for me, I know specifically with Texas States in mind, there was a lot of uh, backlash because, uh, you know, they transformed dogwood into an open course. I will take a quick little transition that I don't think it was open. I think there was definitely a lot of like low ceiling, trees, the mist here or there. You know, you still had to really make sure your, your shot was like um, compact. But I think the reason that we're doing that is for one, to make sure we have better cell service so the coverage yep. doesn't drop, and two, to have spectators. And before the event, there was a lot of uh, players um, debating whether or not this was good or not in our private Facebook pages. And I actually was in the minority saying, hey, I think it's worth it. I don't want to not play Dogwood either. But if it's going to allow 1,500 fans to come watch us, it's okay. Let's stop complaining. Yeah. Let's just play the track that, that is presented to us. But with that being said, yeah. the amount of spectators at Texas States was so much fewer than at Waco. You think so? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. At Waco, it was just, I mean, Nick, you were on lead card. Like, yeah. it was lying yeah. down the fairway. It was like, yeah. whoa. This is yeah. like pure intimidation watching like 4,000 eyeballs are watching you like make wow. this 10 foot putt, you know? And at yeah. Texas State, yep. like, that was their intent was, hey, let's make it an open course so we can facilitate all of these spectators. And I understood that after witnessing what happened at Waco, but then we yep. didn't get the numbers that we were hoping for. So mm. hindsight, I think, hey, let's just play this awesome track of dogwood and challenge our skills in the woods. So it's it's a complicated yeah. discussion. And <laughs> it's cool that the Pro Tour is so forthcoming to our input and our feedback because the day after the tournament, we're already having these discussions of like, hey, what should we do moving forward? Mm. Mm -hmm. Definitely. It was, it was pretty wild um, when we were at Waco. The size of that crowd was insane. And, uh, but what was funny is that they couldn't even follow a majority of the holes. Cause when you get into hole four, there's nowhere for spectators to go. You go from four or five or six, they can kind of watch. Like it was just, you had an insane amount of people there and then they couldn't view every single hole that the lead card was on. But then you go to Texas state where it did seem like you could view a majority of the holes and there just wasn't as many people. So yeah. I totally get it. 
becoming more spectator friendly is a huge thing. Maple Hill, Massachusetts, the amount of people that go to it have grown every single year, which is why we've seen the eight holes grow. Hole 14, hole 18, all of those have grown in the size. But you have to get kind of that VIP band in order to go watch holes three, four, five, six, seven, because it's so tightly wooded. So I get it with courses going into more of a spectator-friendly mode, which I don't think is a bad thing. Um, I think a lot of complaints that people are seeing, and I, and I say this not as a complaint from a player, but a complaint as a spectator or a fan just watching live coverage, is they see they they look at a course and they think, oh, it's boring. They're just throwing, you know, let's say um, Vista for the memorial. It's all oh, they're just throwing the same exact shot every single time. But if you look at the crowd at Arizona every single year, it's massive. Paul said it was one of the biggest crowds he's ever played in front of when it came to a tournament like that with how many people went to it. So it's got its, I, for me personally, it's got its ups and downs of whether it's a good That's a whole other conversation too. It's like when I'm watching, I, I haven't been watching the coverage in person. I've just been going back to my van and then and watching the coverage on Disc Golf Network. And like, that's what, Pepsi Cola or Geico or Red Bull, that's what they're doing. You know, if they're interested in getting uh, into the sport, that's how they're watching. And so when you zoom in on that drone coverage and you see the spectators lining the fairway, it doesn't matter what the golf's like. That's what they want to see. They want to know that 2,000 people are dedicated to paying and being out there for six plus hours a day. So I don't know. It's weird as players to even have any input because it's like, we want the sport to grow, grow the sport, grow the sport, grow the sport. We hear it all the time. And it's like, that's how we grow the sport is being in a more open field. But as a true, like this enthusiast, I want to throw in the woods. Like that is what disc golf is, you know? So it's, it's hard. It's really hard. <laughs> all right. Uh, I totally we, and this is this is good. We we made uh, the live caller listen so long to those answers that they dropped <laughs> off. But we just lined up another live call, and those are fantastic. I was sitting back enjoying it too. But I think they were like, "Hey, maybe this isn't working." So okay, no, no, it's all good. Welcome to the Nick and Matt show. What do you have for us? Uh, yes, actually, uh, what you were just talking about was exactly what my question is going to be. So uh, let me just expand on that. I think the coverage this weekend was really good. It was great to see the drone coverage because you got a true perspective of how many people were there. Uh, but most of the tournaments from us viewing at home seems like there's not that many people there. I know you guys are saying that there's an increase in people, but I would expect to see two or 3,000 people. Do you think that the Pro Tour is advertising enough to make people aware of the tournaments? Uh, now, generally, is is a pro tour taking spectators on the grounds serious? Mm. And I'll and hang up and listen yeah. to your question. Appreciate your call. And yeah, that'd be for, I'd say, Paige, Lisa, or Nick, not me. I'll sit quiet. I love that question. I actually had a, a meeting with Brian Cole. He's the operations manager of the Disc Golf Pro Tour this, this weekend. Um, that we have a, a specific Facebook page for all of the touring players. And it's like kind of feedback, questions, comments, concerns, stuff like that. And I asked him if starting the next event, they could provide us with graphics that say, hey, what's the next event? Is Jonesboro, uh, as far as like elite. Not a major, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. So like, hey, Jonesboro's coming up. 
tickets are on sale now. And for me, I'm a huge music enthusiast. So all of the musicians I follow, they post their schedule and then they say, tickets available. And then boom, here's the link. And then when the tickets are getting close to selling out, they say low ticket warning and they post the link again. And then they say, sold out Chicago, excited to perform, whatever. And that way we can show them, hey, me at Paige Pierce, Lisa Ficus, we're posting, come watch me, come watch me. Here's the link, join in, join in. Mm -hmm. It's the Disc Golf Pro Tour is posting, but if you don't follow the Disc Golf Pro Tour, you don't see that. So if all of your hundred tour players are posting that, hey, here's how you can come watch me in person. I think they would be a lot more successful in selling out the events. With that being said though, they are selling out events. It's just a matter of why it doesn't look big to you is because we're so spread out. You have 50 people following third card. You have 200 pe people following chase card, 500 people following lead card. I think how um, Jonesboro, Maple Hill, OTB Open, those three events I can think of right off the top of my head, how they do it, tune in to those three events and you're gonna see those crowds look bigger because they kind of like corral them into certain areas and are like, here's where you're allowed to be. And it's like, hey, here's a beer garden, here's a TV, like a live coverage TV, here's, you know, and it's just this big area where spectators can can just sit and watch like six holes and they don't have to move around. But the fact that they're able to move here and there, distract you on putts, you know, jump from card to card, it's a little less um, professional than ball golf is currently. So also it looks smaller on coverage because we're not gathered together. Mm. Stay, stay tuned for um, MVP. They're bringing in bleachers all over. Hole 18 is getting some and uh, like eight hole. Like there's a lot of development right now at Maple Hill. It's pretty cool. Um, we, oh. have, we have another caller lined up. Let's get to that. Welcome to the Nick and Matt show. What do you got for us? Hey, what's up, Nick and Matt? So my question is for Paige. This is Josh with Daddy Disc Golf. So you mentioned you've been touring for 13 years now. Um, you obviously have to balance your time in a lot of different ways. And I know, like, being a fan of disc golf, I always like to, you know, fan out and try to get my time with the, with the player as thousands of other people need to. How do you deal with that nowadays? Obviously, it's a lot different now from 2010, you know, being in 2022 and being Paige Pierce, the number one disc golf player, female in the world. Um, how do you balance your time and give the time to the fans, but also focus on yourself and, uh, you know, your practice and your mental game and, and all that? I've always just been interested to hear, you know, what a top champion, how they balance that. Thank you very much, Nick and Matt. Thank you. This is cool. I've never been on a show where like people can actually talk. Me. It's just nice. <laughs> Welcome to the Nick and Matt show page. We'll have you on again soon. <laughs> yeah. So for me, I mean, and that's what we kind of talked about it earlier. I don't know if you were on earlier, but I kind of talked about how I've transitioned making my tour, but this year I'm only playing 22. Maybe I can't remember if it's 22 or 23 events, but either way you look at it, that's, that means three weeks off. So I kind of tell myself for those 22 weeks, 
from the moment you arrive in Waco, Texas, you are Paige Pierce. You are there to sign autographs, to talk to fans, to play, get birdies, to, you know, do press conferences, to do all these Jomez rounds, whatever, Nick and Matt shows, anything that comes with the territory, that's what you're there for. If you have an off week, you can, you know, leave that to the side and put on your, you know, vacation, uh, email thing and say, Hey, sorry, Nick and Matt, like I, it would be a privilege to be on a show, but this week is about family time, whatever. So for me, that's kind of what I've, um, had to kind of be accustomed to because like, once you're trying to make a name for yourself in the sport, it's so easy to say yes. Okay. Oh, you want to talk to me? Yes, 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 yes. Oh, you want me on this? And then you have no time for a practice round. You have no time to go practice putt. You have no time to just eat a meal, you know, it's like, you just really get bombarded. So for me, it's when I go to the event, I know I'm only going to get six hours to myself a day. And that's when I'm sleeping. And that's why I'm choosing to spend these weeks off at home because it has gotten to the point where the disc golf being a disc golf professional is really, really time consuming now, right? Like yeah, this no, year no, compared no. to four years ago, like yeah. maybe someone would want to interview you once a week, but like now it's like- The opportunities are just more there. You really yeah. have to learn how to say no, which is mm-hmm. kind of crazy now because before it was like every opportunity you got, you had to say yes. Yeah. It can be, yeah. It can be a detriment if you're doing too much. Like yeah. if you're doing commentary, it's kind of a thin line between um, kind of thinning yourself out there as far as, you know, your rest and your recuperation. And because commentary is like that night, that evening. Yeah. Uh, the next morning, it's like, for example, yeah, just that's really wearing yourself a little bit thin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just know what your capabilities are and it can be. Say no sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny we were talking about the scheduling this year and like we were doing an episode we were talking about the professionalism in disc golf and how pro players have you know certain players are going to certain events like you know paul mcbeth didn't go to vegas and everyone you know created this big buzz around you know oh why isn't paul going to vegas and then it's you know champions play every single week why isn't he playing this one and it's like dude the schedule this year there's so many elite series events and silver series and he's playing a majority of all of them to where it's like, you're out on the road. You're not at, you know, he doesn't go back to Virginia for a majority of the year. Like he said, I may get one week in Virginia until the off season happens. And that's where it's the same thing to where it's like, you really need to learn how to, like you said, say no to those certain things. You know, I could, I could ask Paul tonight, say, Hey man, people want to know what happened. Texas States, what happened? I probably could have texted him. He'd been like, nah, I'm not really feeling it tonight. And I'm considered one of his best friends, but everyone needs to know when there's a certain time to say no, when you're mm-hmm. kind of burnt out of something, when you just want to rest up and have an off week. So kudos to you guys for kind of finding that happy medium. I know a lot of players are struggling with that. And a lot of fans are struggling when players are saying no, which that's, I think, kind of the entitlement that some people have. But anyways... Well, that's what goes into this small sport, right? Where it's like, humans have access to us. They're talking to us on Instagram and it's like amazing, right? But we don't have enough time to respond to everyone and live our lives as well. So it's like, you know, in the past when we only had 
10,000 followers, you know, it's like, okay, I can respond to the 400 people that send me a message. But now as it's growing, it's like, you don't have time for that. So when you do have time, it's like, Hey, we really need it. If your message isn't just like good shooting, if it's like a whole well thought out paragraph, like chances are at least going to read that and be like, wow, that meant a lot to me and respond. But yeah, like you don't have time for it. So it's like, that's the growing pains of this small sport is like, and, and a lot of people are like, Oh, we want the sport to grow, but Oh no, we don't want them to be like out of reach. So it's yeah. Grow. That's kind of what happens, you know, but luckily we're getting now there's not 15 elite women. There's 90 elite women. So have a new favorite woman and maybe they'll respond, you know, like what about Katie? How do you say her last name? yeah like i bet if you sent her a message right now she would be so honored to get your message because she's just new to the scene and she might not be getting all these messages so like you know introduce yourself to new pros on the scene get some tips from them you know yeah i think Uh um we actually would love to get some of these players on the show too and we we recently did a, a Jackie Chen interview where we had a translator live during the show, which is totally cool. So like we're, we love to dabble uh, in meeting some new, new players that are here. Um, and, and by the way, thank you for saying yes to the Nick and Matt show. I mean, it is a true, like we don't expect it and we don't take it for granted when we reach out, we just hope it works. And it did. So thank you both of you. Um, we do have another live call lined up. So welcome to the Nick and Matt show. What do you got? Yo, am I in? I think I'm in. <laughs> You're in. I don't know who you yeah. are, but you're in. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, hey, is this everybody. overthrow? Yes, it is. How did it, how did I do that? I don't know, brother. I don't know. All right. What do you got? Hey. So, Paige, first round, Texas State. I had a buddy who was snapping some photos. He wasn't like, it wasn't making sound, but you made your putt on 18. We got all the photos. And then you cold-blooded turned and stared at the photo. It wasn't until you was on a plane today editing it that we saw that you were staring directly into the camera. Like, was that just a boss move? Were you just, like, feeling it? Or were you like, get this camera out of my face? I just got to know. Thanks. All right. By the way, it was just your accent. I don't know. I've met you once in studio here, and I recognize the accent. So shout out to Overthrow. Now I just put him under the bus. No, I'm kidding. He said you were staring at the camera with like cold-blooded, like, hey. After hole eight, or round one, after hole eighteen. I don't remember I which round he said it was. I have no recollection of this. So chances are it was just, you know, I mean. Alyssa is a photographer, right? And she, her photo, her camera takes 20 frames per second. So chances are you just got one of those (laughs) frames right where I was just looking at it and I was locked in focused. So, I mean, yeah, I have no recollection of it. So that's, I want to, I want to, I would like to say, I would like to say it was a boss move, but you know, (laughs) chances are it was just, uh, you. Nice, nice, nice. Nick, did you? We have another caller, but you were going to say something. No, I was saying I want to see that picture. That sounds like an awesome picture. (laughs) Back before there were requirements to being media, I was taking photos at Maple Hill and I was like just following Eagle and I 
took some pictures and there is a picture of Eagle. Like as we're walking up the fairway of 18, he's looking at me with that same face that he just described, like looking right into the camera. And I'm like, what did I do? So I think it just happens. It's just a moment in time, but frame it, blow it up, put it on the wall, get her to autograph. It'll be collectible. Um, we got another caller lined up. This will probably be the last one, Ben. Let's take this one as the last one. Uh, welcome to the Nick and Matt show. What do you got? Uh, a couple things. One of the things I was thinking about when reminiscing about old world, do you remember when we had to wear polos and like the appropriate attire? Like I remember going to my first am worlds and then everybody was stressed out about like what they had to wear. Any comments on that? It was mm. crazy. Thank you for that like, call. Oh yeah. no. And the second oh, thing yeah. uh, I wanted to add in as well was the, uh, the standardization of tea pads. I remember watching a European worlds where it was raining, like a complete downpour. But on the tee pads, on those turf pads, everybody seemed like they had a bunch of grip. Okay. I want to know what the standardization for tee pads should be because slipping, you're not going to throw from the tee pad to another tee pad where you have perfect grip, but I think the starting point should be universally safe. And right. have a good night. Thank you very much for that call. And I'm sure uh, Lisa and Paige, uh, I'm, I'm assuming you've played Am Worlds back in the day? Yep. No. Nick, did you ever play oh. in Am Worlds? Wow. Okay. Oh, I played Am there hardly at all. Wow. Wait, Lisa's saying oh. no? Lisa no. and I played pro together probably since like 20, 2009 or something. Yeah. I think I went pro in 09, somewhere around Yeah. That. yeah. I have a photo with me, you, Liz Lopez, and nice. Desiree oh, of like, cool. I think it was like 2009 or something. Okay. But no, I guess... I went pro as soon as I could, like a year after. Yeah. Actually, that was probably Texas State. Yeah, <laughs> I think it was. But um, so yeah, yeah. So, the dress codes kind of. I mean, I really don't want to be rude, but that's kind of been a topic for like probably ten plus years. Is like the dress codes. So, um, but anyway, to address your second question, like, uh. Turf tee pads and just tee pads in general, that's kind of something that we talk about maybe even weekly on the players page that we discussed earlier is like the standardization yeah. of tee pads and baskets and, you know, uh, tee, whatever the field is, you know, wherever your drive lands, it's different for everyone, right? But the tee pad and the basket is, are two things that are the same for every single player. So they should be standardized and uh, like, I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble for saying this or something, but like, I know the disc golf pro tour is in the process of making their own basket so that we won't go on end of a basket and then a disc craft basket and then a prodigy basket. Like we're just going to have one standard basket for all DGPT events. And I think that is the same for the T pads, but it's just kind of a matter of time of when that's going to happen because there's so many things like we're truly in the pinnacle of where the sport's going up so we're trying to figure out the rules and everything you know so sure. it's coming Ooh, i i like that because i think it was two weeks ago maybe three weeks ago it was a little it was fairly recently the chat was going a little wild because we had this conversation surrounding that and there was people in the chat saying yes the basket is going to be something that is standardized and the pro tour would be smart to do something about it and people were agreeing some were disagreeing it in, interesting perspective there Paige, that you just brought to that and i will just say because i did play am worlds so so wait Paige, you did play am worlds 
Yeah, I played it three times. Okay. And Lisa, did you? No. Okay. I played it in 2011, and you were already pro by then, Paige, so we didn't see each other. But I do remember it being like, ah, uh, as an amateur and not really aspiring to be a professional, I remember it being like, oh, like, I have to have a polo, and I have to, like, look a certain way. Like, it was a thing. And, yes, it, it's not as big of a deal, at least in my mind right now, because the sport, I feel like, has had an upgrade in that sense where players are considering whatever their look may be, but they're considering it on purpose. And that's important, I think. So, uh, well, yeah. If you get seen at the highest level, like if you're playing the world championships, it's like, and again, Geico tunes in, it's like, Oh, okay. I don't want to sponsor them. If they're wearing this like cotton tie dye t-shirt, like I would want them to look professional and to want to pay to put my logo on their shirt. So right. yeah, that's kind of like a given when it comes to the higher level of events and when they are filmed right mm -hmm. so and and just to yeah. be fair i mean double g right i think my my point was here is he's intentionally dressing a certain way for his brand and i think that's i think that's to me the bigger point here is like you're doing it with intent you're not just rolling out with like i don't know whatever looking professional uh, thank you. Thank you everyone for your calls. Uh, we've kept Paige for well over an hour, which was not necessarily the plan, but it happened. Paige, we appreciate your time so much. And Lisa, thank you for joining the show. It was truly an honor to have both of you here. Um, is there anything we missed that you want to shout out? We talked about a lot. Is there anything you wanted to miss? Here's a platform for it if you'd like to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm blanking, but okay. I feel like just check out my Instagram. I kind of update all of my stuff on there. If I have anything going on, it's uh, at ppierce29190. And yeah, anything that's going on Paige Pierce, you'll see it on there. So I'm kind of blanking right now, but yeah, I got some new YouTube videos coming soon and some new releases on my website mm -hmm. soon. So you'll see those updates on there. Okay. Sweet deal. Lisa, any, anything, anything for you? Um, kind of, Kind of rattling the same thing. Check out my website when you get a chance, lisafakus.com. Check me out on my socials, Insta and Facebook, Lisa Fakus. It's really easy to find me. And uh, yeah, you can support me by getting a tour series disc or um, hooking up with uh, my sponsors, make some cool merchandise for sale. So that's it's all out there, a bunch of links on my website and on the socials. So check okay. those out. Um, I will say, awesome. I will say this as a reminder, Lisa, reach out for your free, for Lisa and our winner, reach out for your free jerky. And I will also say, just because we love this product so much, there's another opportunity for both of you. If you'd like to, it's in a chapstick container and it's called DG max wax. It is a grip enhancement right in a little, it's wonderful product. They have minis like the size of like a regular mini and it's the wax product anyways we're going to talk about them more later but i wanted you to know if you're interested in that hit me up we'll get you some of that as well as a sample but thank you so much for coming on the nick and matt show we're gonna let you go and i'm sure we'll catch up with you again some point in the season and if not i'll see you at maple hill page and lisa thanks again have a good night thanks for having to it yeah bye matt all right bye, bye. hey tell if you're still there tell uh Alyssa i said hi i definitely will okay bye <laughs> Okay. Wow. Nick, that was the first time in a long time that we've had an interview of that length. I know, right? Well, I kind of want to end it, you know, for them being on, but uh, Paige Pierce has always been 
one of the nicest pros that I've ever met, had the pleasure of hanging out with every so often. And kind of the story that came to mind towards the end of this Skype call with them was, I think it was 2013 or 2014. One of the years, Hannah Macbeth and I, it was actually Hannah Croak at the time, we went with my parents to Hot Dog Annie's, which is the famous hot dog place right next to Maple Hill. Right after the tournament was over and a bunch of the top pros went to um, Hot Dog Annie's as well. And I think we had briefly said hi to Paige for a minute or two, had a quick conversation, but we saw Paige with a bunch of the other top FBO players at Hot Dog Annie's as well. And Paige was the first one who asked if me, Hannah, and my parents wanted to sit next to them. And the coolest thing, we were literally sitting next to Paige Pierce, who I'm pretty sure at the time had just won the Maple Hill Open. And uh, it was pretty awesome. So she's always been super, super cool. I've always respected and appreciated Paige a lot. And I think she's doing cool things. And I love that she's on Discraft. I think that's just a great fit. Of course you do, Nick. Of course you do. Shout out to Discraft. Hey, I want to take another minute here to talk about this product. And I will say we there. Wow. Look how clear that camera is. I don't know how it's coming through to you, Nick, but for those driving around, you can see I'm showing you this product, uh, the DG Max Wax. First of all, check it out. Your, your, Your retailer near you. If they don't have it, ask for it. Otherwise, go to dgmaxwax.com, pick a, a product up, use the code Nick and Matt, and you will get 10% off. You will get it shipped quickly, and you will not be disappointed. Um, Evan, I don't know if you tried it yet, but the package is coming for us in studio that you're going to get to take one home. Are you looking forward to that? I am looking forward to that. Just grippy Wait, oh, oh, hold up hold up ben's all disappointed now so no uh, i said for us in studio I okay was saying, oh, let's oh, go there we go ben's pumped i i'm super excited to try this out when i just uh, i was a couple weeks back just felt it with one of the discs here in studio like it just felt like the a great amount of it feels grippy just like that extra enhancement but it's not sticky i was worried it was going to be sticky and i'm like ah, i want my hands clean uh, but it doesn't feel that way at all. It feels grippy. I want to try it and actually try it on the course. So I am stoked. You're going to get to, I have, I like it more spin on the disc results in a longer straighter flight. And I will say this is going to give you unparalleled confidence out there on the course to know that it's not going to slip out of your hand due to, uh, whether it's dry hands or, or even if it's raining, I've tried this in the rain and it worked well for me. Uh, the added grip, as I said, is gonna allow you to spin the disc faster. The scent is called Citradelic. I'll say it again. Every time I pull it off, I take uh, a, a smell. There you go. Yeah. It's wonderful. Nick, I don't know if you were on last show. Citradelic. It's a blend of pure essential oils designed to keep you calm and focused on the course. And it smells great. So I well, it great. Yeah. And the biggest thing about it when I when I've been using it lately um, is it's not sticky enough to where you feel like you're gonna grip lock your putters. Like that was my biggest thing when we got reached out by this company was are my hands going to stick when I try to putt? Because throwing a driver is different than putting a putter, obviously, into a basket. And one of the biggest things was that it does not feel like I'm going to rip lock my putter. And that's been awesome about it. And it smells delicious. So I love it. And it's PDGA legal for those asking that question in your head right now. It is legal. Get it while it lasts. <laughs> Before No, I'm kidding. It's I, I see it as a fantastic product. It's my favorite product currently. Besides eating jerky, I mean, this is the one that I put on my fingers to after I eat the jerky. <laughs> you're on the course eating the jerky, the Nate Sexton, sweet and spicy, and then you're like, ah, I need my hands to be a little grippy. Just rub some of this on there. <laughs> but uh, really. Well, you eat the jerky, jerky with the left hand, you throw it with the right hand. 
I want to try this, and I keep saying this every week, but I'm going to have the mini-sized wax portion in my hand next week. But this little chapstick bottle makes me, I pulled it out the other day, it was in my pocket, I almost put it on my lips, but then I would, uh, it wouldn't work. It, no, it's just, it makes them too grippy. <laughs> okay, I'm going down too many offbeat roads there, but review them online, it helps them out, it helps us out, we appreciate it. There's still thousands of you who have yet to get this, thousands, go buy it. And let us know what you think about it. People are raving about it, so I would expect that you would like it. All right, I'm going to toss this over to uh, Ben. I want him to talk. Well, Ben, you start us off. How are we going to talk about uh, this conversation here? Is going to be called the Discura discussion. Can you uh, give us the intro to Discura discussion? Like just like a little bebop in the mic or something. Oh, <laughs> boop boop boop. This is the Discura discussion. All right, there we go. <laughs> Nick's laughing off screen. So, all right, Evan and Nick, I'm going to let you take this segment. Evan texted us during oh. the week. Nick said, yeah, I want to talk about it too. Um, start us out, Evan, the course, but maybe start out whole one and let us know what you think. All right. I am going to talk about the feature on whole one of um, the thorn uh, at the, the, the course at Texas States. Um, I want to start off in saying that whoever did the landscaping of this, what I'm dubbing the gravel cake, um, did a fantastic job. Like it's very well put together from a landscaping perspective. I thought it looked cool. And, um, from a presentable job of landscaping a plus, but I want to get into the point of like, if that's a good feature for an elite level course and is it, I'm just I think they made a really cool thing and may have taken it one step too far. If it was two layers in a basket, I would be all for it. I love things looking better and kind of being a, a raised green, but then it's a third level and an elevated basket at that with the Texas wind. It just looked a little too much to me. Um, I personally was not a huge fan of it, um, but I'll, I'll pass it over to Nick. Nick, what were your thoughts on that? I mean, kind of actually very similar to what yours were. I thought it was a little bit too high. I do love the aesthetic look. Uh, if it was a little bit smaller, I will say one of the cool things about it was that it, was, it wasn't just a massive pole in the ground. You know, it wasn't an elevated basket. At least something was done to actually make it look really cool. A lot of hard work went into it. It wasn't just, oh, I put a seven-foot, eight-foot pole in the ground, you know, six-foot pole in the ground, whatever. It was actually done you know, very nicely, but like Evan just said, it was too high. And then the other thing was with the Texas wind and this is all part of, you know, professional disc golf, but you kind of look at it to where, what if one of the guys on the coverage just puts back and forth, keeps missing the putt, missing the putt, missing the putt back and forth. It kind of looks crappy in a sense. I mean, I get it. They should have made the putt. A lot of what we do is we compare disc golf to golf and I'm just curious. Maybe there's a course out there that does this, but is there a professional event in golf where one of the greens is just super elevated with an uphill slant to it and the hole right in the middle to where the player has to putt up that hill and hopefully stick it either on the landing or get it in the hole? I don't think there is a hole like that in golf. There very well could be. I hope someone corrects me if there is. So I think it was too high, so I didn't really care for it but I do love the look of it. I like it being a natural elevated basket. Um, there were a couple holes at Belton 
where a couple of the natural mounds I actually liked more than if it was just a pole in the ground and I was putting or one of the Pro Tour boxes that elevates the basket. Like I actually liked the natural look of it more. I just thought it was a little bit too high. And I'd be pretty annoyed throwing a disc, having it hyzer into that or whatever, and completely chunking my disc if I hit the rock part of it perfectly. But then someone's going to say, well, on any course, you can hit a rock. And I get that. But that one's just kind of a little, a little much. Uh, also, it looked like it was really hard to, if you wanted to lay up on that second or third tier, it just looked a, a little too tight of a landing zone. I, I, I wasn't there watching it all day and I didn't even get to watch that much of a coverage. Um, but I personally think, uh, especially on the amateur level, but even more so because we're talking about the kind of elite touring level, is there should be an option for a layup to be possible. It seems like this one really all you could do is lay up at the base of the whole thing. And then you have that like 25 foot putt uphill with crazy winds. And if you wanted to kind of lay it up on that third level, it just it it wasn't really that easy but maybe it shouldn't be i i don't know i guess that's a good discussion as well i i think yeah. if these people i think it kind of happens everywhere and not just in disc golf but everywhere you have a cool idea and then your minds just get thinking and you kind of take it one step too far and maybe even one step past that i i think a lot of disc golf courses you think of something cool do that cool thing and then just move on to the next thing um if you make a a, a tiered you know wedding cake green like just do one or two levels, make it look awesome. And then maybe do something else in another hole, spread your kind of time out, especially this course. I thought, you know, it, it, it's not spring quite yet. Maybe it just turned spring actually this week. Actually, I take <laughs> that back. It is spring now. Uh, it's <laughs> early spring. Um, you're not going to have the best looking courses because it's just not summer. It's not gonna be as green as Texas can be in the summer. Um, I think that course looked just, it looks like you just rolled up on a park course and then threw up all the pro tour signs. I would have liked to see more effort other places, which is hard because it's a temp course. I'm not trying to hate on these people. Um, but with the amount of effort going to that one hole, which kind of felt like it was overdone, I'd rather see it kind of spread out and maybe put a little bit more effort to making around the T be a little bit built up instead of just dirt surrounding the entire T or the whole fairway just being kind of dead grass. If you could kind of throw down some mulch every so often, um, that would have been really nice to see. So the chat, I hate I'm going to, I'm going to give you both a few questions to respond to. One is someone said, amen, this man is speaking my language. Um, some were saying that terrain equals gimmicks. And then there was a question, Hey, from the same guy, same last name as me, Josh Graham, are you wanting to make it harder or easier? What are you not happy quote unquote about specifically just saying it looked hard to land on? Like, what is your thought there? Is it like, you think it's damaging discs It's too, it's gimmicky. What, what is it? I'm not particularly worried about damaging discs on that. I'll leave that to Nick or anyone else playing it. But as a viewer, it just, it, it looked like you, like kind of Nick was saying kind of back and forth. It almost felt like you're playing mini golf and you're getting up to like hole 17 or 18 and you got to land it ever so slightly on the top or get it in. I want, if a player is playing, we say Sexton golf, if they want to play Sexton golf, they can, if they're going to play for par, other people can try to, um, risk it and beat them with birdies. So as a fan, and I know you're stat Mando as well, so you look at it with maybe a different eye than others, but as a fan, it bothers you to see 
that style of play is what you're saying because or, or are you thinking it comes across bad to the market of disc golf viewers like I, is it both i think it's more of that one and, and this okay. is all opinion based okay. to be clear well, it's not of course nothing, it is nothing's numbers based in this whole talk i'm just speaking my opinion i didn't break <laughs> it down uh I, I anything would, like that i would be curious about how many circle one putts were missed on hole one which i know it's very uphill don't get don't get me wrong i know it's very elevated but i'd be curious about circle one putts missed on hole one versus every other hole in the course i have to assume that it, it would be more but, but okay you kind of yeah. can't really tell the guys belay up from circle one potentially so never mind don't bother that's a waste <laughs> okay let's do this ben would you wrap it up with the outro for a discure discussion boom 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 <laughs> Okay. This has been a Descura discussion. Okay, and to be fair, Nick, Descura, how's that going? Just give us the oh. short recap on Descura because it launched. We haven't gotten our free sample yeah. apparel yet in the studio, but I'm sure you're wearing it. It's comfortable. Tell us about it. Yeah, I'm actually I'm actually not right now. It's oh. funny enough, normally I do, but my clothes are in my apartment right now, which I'm not there. Um, so Descura is going awesome. Uh, for people who don't know, I, I and a couple other people started up an apparel company called Discura, and you can look it up at DiscuraDG.com. One of our goals was to come out with safe, comfortable, mobile clothing that people can wear while disc golfing, um, all shapes and sizes. I mean, it's really cool looking stuff. It protects your skin. It's UPF 50 rated for our solar gear. And then we have a lifestyle line to where it's more of your casual wear. Um, normally I'm actually usually wearing one of my hoodies that I have with them. Um, if you want to support me, I actually have these NC hats are finally on mm. it. We're calling it the dark Knight. It's going to be called the dark Knight logo. And, uh, so we have those, they're also on sweatshirts and regular shirts. And then I actually still have a couple more fundraiser discs at discuratg.com. So awesome. one of the things that they want to do, and we're going to Matt and I and Ben and Evan will figure it out. But like almost everything in our show, it has kind of a little jingle. We'll come out with the discure discussion ones. That's something that my buddies came up with. We wanted to come out with kind of one cool topic every single week. And that's what we're going to label as the discure discussions. And I guess to kind of end it all, though, um, I do want to say this. Nothing bugs me more than when I'm watching coverage and I legitimately feel like, okay, there's no doubt in my mind I am on a public course right now in baseball fields completely kill it for me i hate watching oh whole yes five or whole whole six no whole nick whole six yeah baseball field hole at eureka temp yeah or the multiple baseball fences that players are even at even at usdgc dude even at usdgc and then oh, yeah you see it in a fence during worlds in ogden like I know that wasn't baseball, but like the this the chain link fences yeah. running next to anything is just I just don't like it either. It's a pet yeah. peeve of mine. It has to be right it, now. I get it, but it, we can work yeah. towards it. I and believe me, this is no shade against Greg Barsby. Greg Barsby, I think, did very well for the property that he was given mm. to design yeah, yeah. a great. From what I've heard, a lot of players actually really liked it, and I mean, to be honest, I would have much rather played Texas State than Belton. I just had to come back to Virginia to get some stuff done here. Um, but I was actually bummed out. This seemed like a course that I would have much rather played than Belton. So. All right, Nick, I know you love Sour Patch Kids. If you were in studio, you'd have the five-pound bag right now. And why is it showing up yeah, white? The, the, the light is too bright. It's a yellow bag. It's normal. But this is the five-pound bag for in studio. We just, just Sour Patch Kids. We just dive in all night. And tell we, it. 
no, but we're gonna we're hope we're hoping to be. Okay. Yeah. Okay, we'll work on it. We'll work on it. Um right. people are saying you need to sponsor right. Reed Descura. I mean Frescura. Everyone in the chat saying that's your next sponsored players. Okay. Here's here's to close it out. Mixed yeah, he said if Reed wants it, he can was, reach out. Was, if Reed was traveling right now, I'd probably have a conversation with him, but I don't think he's traveling much right now. True. Okay. Uh, this is a mixed bag here on the way out of the show. I Well, in a mixed bag, but it will come up more if the storyline continues. Kona did place top 10, okay? And that's an accomplishment for her. She posted about it today, and there's nothing you can take away from that. It's an accomplishment. In FPO, it's an accomplishment in MPO, top 10. She didn't come out real strong. She had a great final round, was able to get to that top 10. Again, celebrate for sure. But Valerie Mandahano, same team. As far as we know, no blockbuster, you know, FPO contract. Money wasn't announced. It wasn't necessarily hindsight, but it was definitely a second tier signing, right? I mean, she didn't get the helicopter ride. And I think with everything you knew in that time frame, like DD did the right choice. But then you start having a storyline breakout where Valerie is like coming out like with all the shine, right? She's winning an event already. And as Evan said earlier, top what well, top five at the last like since August. Since August of last year, yep. So you start that's, putting that all together right. and you're thinking, is Valerie just gonna be like eventually like, well, show me the money or I'm gone? Or is it's going to be weird in a way because Valerie will be getting like a lot of spotlight and Dee, Dee will feel like they have to continue to put the spotlight on Kona because they paid for it. And Kona, here's the thing. I, I don't want to get into the bigger conversation. I'm just kind of giving you my take. Kona, they might've signed her up saying, hey, even if you don't win, like you've got a great social following, you can sell this, you just say it and people buy it, right? Maybe that's fine with DD and they're willing to do this. But it's still going to be interesting if Valerie continues to play way, and I say way better, way more consistent up near the top and Kona continues to play 10 or worse. And I'm not saying she's a bad player. I'm trying to make this point that right now, just where it is right now, Kona, this, it's the numbers don't lie. Like, so it'll be interesting if the story continues down this road. What will happen? What will be uh -huh. the storyline? What will media say? What will we say? Um, that's that's yeah. all. I got I guess one last kind of cool story that pops off the top of my head right now is that Ricky, since Dynamic Discs has become a disc manufacturer slash disc retailer company, whatever you want to call them, Ricky is their first MPO player to win an Elite Series event. Now, people posted this stat, and I thought, wow, that's actually kind of insane. And I totally get it that I would say that's true. Um, and that's why I really wanted to emphasize since they became a disc retailer, because I'm pretty sure back in the day they were like an apparel sponsor. And I'm pretty sure Paul was sponsored by them in 2012. I'm not exactly sure how that partnership works, but I'm pretty sure it's since they've become a disc retailer or manufacturer. I don't know exactly because well, I guess manufacturer. I think you're pointing um, out the, the stat by PDGA stats put on Twitter. Uh, it was the first yeah. Disc Golf Pro Tour Elite win, um, which Disc Golf Pro Tour started in 2016. Dynamic Disc was uh, yeah. fully a, a disc manufacturer through Latitude at that yeah. point. So uh, Paul yeah. was no longer yeah, yeah, a apparel yeah. sponsor or no one else was. So this 
this is the first uh, MPO sponsored player of any magnitude uh, at the time that they have won. Okay. That makes Good stats. Uh, we've we've come almost to the end, but we have a little bit here of mixed bag left again. Um, fun question, and this is like a lightning round kind of thing. Ben is involved, Evan's involved, Nick, myself. If we based our perception of how big or quality a disc golf brand or manufacturer, so we're going to say manufacturer, pick whatever manufacturer you want of discs, okay? If we were to base our perception of how good that manufacturer's discs were by how their sponsored players finished in events this year, who would be the manufacturers in the lead in your mind? <laughs> Evan's like, whoa. So just purely based off of how the players are finishing this year, how quality must the discs be? So I would rate DD pretty high right now. Like as the best discs out there, <laughs> like with Valerie and Ricky. So, what do you think, Evan? I still, I still honestly, I mean, uh, this isn't because I'm sponsored <laughs> by them, but I think disc, discraft is still kind of like the number one in that. I mean, you got Paul winning Waco, and then you got Paige winning, um, you got Paige winning, excuse me, uh, Texas States, and then if you guys know who makes dga's plastic yeah that was my, okay that was right. my point as well if you're talking about just like what are the best discs because of who makes them i think i would go discraft as well because you have two no i was saying trina i was just trying to make oh. a fun tie on like based off of how players are finishing this year not really any quality oh. it's like just straight no, up I, yeah i i want to i'm actually gonna look up all the elites here so far but i'm just gonna say drew gibson throws a buzz pretty damn well and i'm pretty <laughs> sure he doesn't have a bag true and i, I, I would have given dga i would have given dga the nod but i guess interestingly enough right now like disc mania i actually think very highly of that manufacturing brand but based off of finishes this year Unfortunately, I'd say they are the worst. Well, and this is based off of what I'm saying is if you base it off of finishes. Aren't even right what about Kyle Klein? Yeah. I said they're top two. Okay, but, but where, Kyle where's Klein, Kyle Klein? Yeah. I mean, he hasn't performed exceptionally well, but at the same time, you're talking about one player. Simon made Simon made it out to an event. I, I didn't look into this. But if you take LVC out of it, which is obviously a huge if, and that's playing all these sorts of games. But if you take LVC out of it, has Kyle Klein been playing worse than Gannon Burr? Yes. Has he? I think they've their finishes have been about the same, haven't they? Yeah. You tell they, me, Stab Mando. I, <laughs> <laughs> I should look into this. I mean, uh, what Burr did at, at LVC was obviously incredible, and just getting to yeah. a spot where you can be um, Gannon Burr seventh. Okay, at he Texas actually State. finished really well this past week, but he was he was in the twenties the week before, and Waco was about the same. And um, I'm scrolling down for Kyle Klein. He was twenty fifth. Twenty fifth. So. I know Kyle well at Texas States, but I'm pretty sure he got fifth place at Belton, and I think he actually had a pretty good push at the end at Waco. But I could be wrong about that. I could be wrong about that one. Yeah, I'm just gonna have to like search it here. And yeah, if see. only there's a tool where you could view people going head to head. In a Gannon Burr was twenty fifth. Gannon Burr was 25th. And my internet buzz wasn't. 
I'm and Kyle is 16. Right now. Yeah. If, if, Matt, if only I'll there was a tool stat. where you could look at it. Well, you were the one asking the question. <laughs> if only Stat Mando was in the room. Controlling this computer. <laughs> you have a computer. That's true. I'll All right. Be. We're going to get in a fight <laughs> off air in just a minute. I'm kidding. Um, so that was going right. to be one of my next questions, I, though. I, what it, What's up with Hamas? What's up with Hamas? Any, any reactions to that? Like, I'm not looking I, for you to defend them. Just curious what you think. I'm going to sit in the middle on this one and say, like, we've seen a lot of similar events. Um, LVC kind of being its own, right? But then these three Texas events have all been kind of similar where there's, you know, four to nine woods holes and then the rest are open with a kind of some wind, but kind of the same style. It's all been within this kind of Texas swing. We're seeing a lot of the same events and it's just been such a slow start that disc golf is so much on momentum now with how deep the field is where if you're just not on your game like you can kind of be hidden for a little bit and that's not to say you'll be hidden for the entire season you'll see chunks where someone's going to be really hot at this uh the beginning of the season someone's gonna be hot by the end of the season and i think as fans we kind of have a lot of um oh, recency bias i think you can kind of see that in last year how missy gannon was the player of the year mainly because she got hot at the end and just got in people's yeah. minds that she had such a great season. And I think Joel Freeman's another one. And he was talking about this in an interview. People were saying, Oh, what a great season you had last year because his last few finishes were good. So we could be doing the same thing now where we're just saying someone had a good season because we remembered them being hot or not to start the season. It's just, it's not enough time for me. I'm going to say I'm going to hold off on this one. Okay. And just to give it to people, seventh at Vegas, and then he was like thirteenth at Belton, but he was like seventieth at Waco, and fiftieth um, recently fiftieth or whatever. It's or vice versa, but yeah, he, that's. I agree with what you're saying. Just wanted your reaction. That was a good reaction. Um, we hit five thousand subscribers, everybody on YouTube, and it sounds funny to celebrate because we've been around a long time, <laughs> and we would have hit that, but we did move our. Yeah. We moved our channel over to foundation for a while, a year. And so we're on the uptrend again. We appreciate all those subscriptions. We will do a giveaway. We're going to figure out what we want to give away, but we will do one for that. Thank you for that. Um, our, our friend over at Capital yeah. Discs, Nick, by the way. What? what? Huh? You were going to say oh, something. Okay. So I, I got a giveaway idea. Okay. I'll throw in, I'll throw in a Discura shirt. One of the nice lifestyle whether or excuse me one of the nice solar whether it's a short sleeve long sleeve or a hoodie that the person who wins wants i'll throw in one of those we'll do something from double g craft turkey and dg max wax we'll just okay. give them kind of our our allotment our allotment yeah okay we can do that and um we just have to figure out how to do the giveaway we'll we'll let someone think that up okay, okay. Uh, our friend at Capital Discs, by the way, we've had them uh, discussed on the show a few times. They're opening up registration this weekend. I thought I'd do a, a friendly shout out for them. They're adding $10,000 extra cash. It's not Silver Series. It's not affiliated with the Pro Tour. But I know Nick was tempted to go. He may still go. But anybody that's in the Northeast, you are going. Oh, 100%. Okay. Yeah. So anyone in the Northeast, it's opening up this Friday, I think. Yeah. He, uh, he texted me today, Jeremy. And he was like, "Oh yeah, I talked to Matt. You know, we'll talk about it on the show a little bit." And I was texting him back saying, "I don't want, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want people knowing that it yeah. exists. I want to go try to win a bunch of money." Yeah, but okay. yeah, it's sounds super awesome. I'm, I'm very excited for it. All right, and the chat just called us out because last week, Nick, when you weren't here, we talked about real quick what we thought about Maple Hill baskets <laughs> yeah. in the auction. 
Um, I do want to talk about it because it's kind of interesting. Some that stayed around this long might might find it interesting too because you're the hardcore Nick and Matt show listeners. One of our takes, I think it was Ben and Evan and me agreeing, they could go over 5,000 on the whole 16 or more. Okay. Yeah, you guys were talking about six, seven, nine, ten thousand dollars. Yes. And like my, oh, oh, there's another take I got to bring up too before we go. But yes, um, I actually sat through the whole auction and I analyzed every detail of it. First of all, it was not promoted well. So I think just like any auction, like real auctions, okay, that take place in the world for like really spectacular things, they notify the audience that they want to bid on it, that this is going to be here at this time. So you bid on it. I don't think the right buyers were in this auction because it was done on a Saturday at noon. Correct. And it wasn't really advertised, really. So only the people who wanted it knew about it. Yep. Like the few, like someone yeah. said, hey, Kevin Jones, you want to be in there and get this because. And so it wasn't really promoted. There was like 30 or 40 people in there like the whole time. And the average basket went for like, I'm just going to say in the 350 range to 400. Okay. Like right in that range. That was the average 350 to 400. And I picked up a basket. Um, and then the Nick and Mash show put down a few bids on hole 16 and it went up to like 650 and I was like, Oh, we're tapping the Nick and Matt budget now. <laughs> and, yeah. and then, oh, that's my yeah, exactly. I was going to text you after and be like, sorry, no pay, <laughs> but we got the basket, <laughs> but there's someone in the chat right now that was in there bidding for Kevin Jones. I was told, and he said, I'm bidding for Kevin Jones and it hit 700. And I was like, dang it. Like, I want to see how high this would go but I can't play with fake money. Like I wanted to be like $1,000 and see, and they're like, you win. I'm like, dang it. <laughs> like, I don't have a grand. Yeah, exactly. But, but I, I was like, I wanted to know what that line was drawn at. Like, had I gone like 2000, was he out? And Justin, you're in here. He's in the chat. The guy who bid on it. I am really curious if he could even, he doesn't have to message us in the back or put it in the chat. Like, what was the limit KJ gave you? Like, I still what, believe the basket it, has the value. He just commented. What did he say? Thousand? He would outbid you at. Okay, he would have outbid me at a thousand. But like, I still believe, and this is again, this is all speculation. I still believe that basket has way more value. If you actually put that up uh, in the middle of a live pro tour event to the twenty thousand people that are watching, and you started with a legitimate auction service, like where it was easy, there's no delays. People were making bids, and Steve's like, sorry, you didn't make it in because there's a delay on Facebook. So, like, there was even bids being missed. I think that easily would have went over 5000 I still believe that. I sold my Disc Golf Pro Tour set for $2,500. Like, anyways, long story short, I'm happy I got a piece of the history for, like, 330 bucks. That's pretty cool. But those baskets went for yeah. underpriced. And, and Adam Hammes grabbed 18 for 700 as well. Uh, totally awesome for nice. him. His first win wow. at Pro Tour. What was yeah. that? What was that, Nick? I was saying I'm I'm glad Adam got one. I do know that he wanted to try to get 18. Um, I remember years and years ago when they sold off all the mock X's. I actually really wanted to somehow get 14 gold because I aced that back in 2016. So I thought that would have been pretty cool. Was I'll probably never beat. I'll probably never get an ace cooler than that one. And um, but I have no idea where that is out in the world right now. I think I heard there's a course up in uh, Cl Clement or Haverhill, Massachusetts that has them. So, oh, Clement Farm. I that's what I heard. Yeah. That's what I heard. So, I don't know if that's where they I are. Know they oh, they're awesome. 
Okay. Anyways, I kind of wish I, I got the, I got three gold at Maple Hill. That's the basket I got. And it has the history of, if, if you remember this and picture in your head, Dave Felberg on a windy, rainy day, throws a flex shot up hole three through the woods, skips it into the basket. Big germ in the background. This is where it kind of all starts, right? Big germ always watching the aces go in and his face is just oh, jaw dropped. And like, that's a cool piece of history on YouTube. And I have the basket that was sitting there, but unfortunately it's not the basket that caught Dave Felberg's ace. They just changed those out. So like I have that basket, but not that basket. And so that's kind of like, eh, it is what it is, but I have a piece of Maple Hill. That's cool. I'll always have that. So, oh, and then, then the last thing and react to this, Nick, I think you missed a funny show last week. Did you happen to hear anything about Muppets last week? So I tuned in. <laughs> Oh, let's see. I tuned in for a pretty, I think actually almost up until you guys ended. Okay. I don't remember exactly what you said, but I'm nothing sure about I Muppets. Oh, yeah. When you call Calvin a Muppet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember that. Okay. So react, react. Like, Did he? Oh, so, 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 I'm yeah, sitting there. Hold on. Uh, let me, let me, let me react to just how I was reacting in my car. Okay. When I was listening to this conversation. <laughs> of course, I couldn't, I couldn't call in again. I couldn't text you quick enough. But I'm sitting there, and you're like, "Yeah, who's who's that that guy that the the Innova sponsor one?" And like, no one is saying his name. And I'm literally sitting there, and I'm like, "I'm about to drive through a tornado." And I'm like, "Calvin Effing Heinberg, how are you guys not getting this name right now?" And I'm literally like shaking my car. I was like, "What? What are you guys? You're making us look bad." But anyways. oh, that's so, so funny. That's, that's how. I that's so funny because I left. I was looking at Evan with like, like, please help me. <laughs> like, I I know who he is. See, like, I think I was just overthinking it too because how could you forget who Calvin Heinberg was? But I don't yeah. know. We all go through it. Was it. When... What was that, Nick? I'm pretty sure it was when Chris Dickerson was on as well, yes. and like he was like, "What the hell are you guys talking about?" <laughs> he was, and he's like. <laughs> he, he, he goes he goes i think you're talking about calvin <laughs> yeah and so here's the like, thing i said then and i'll say it again i meant zero offense i was not trying to talk about his appearance yeah. more than like please help me i'm trying to remember who this is and that's the only thing that like unique uh, not that he's a muppet but like his hair that's what i was thinking like his hair and then he comes into this event and is shaved off i'm like did he hear the show was he offended <laughs> i don't know and then people were asking me if I was sweating bullets with Calvin coming in down the stretch, possibly going to win it. And, and I'm not going to lie. It was in my mind. I'm like, oh, boy, Matt, you're making all these hot takes. You're going to get yourself in trouble one of these days. <laughs> and I, Evan's texting me. Everybody's texting yeah. me like, oh, Calvin's going to win it. Yeah. <sighs> I dodged another one. I will still say this. Best player to not have as many wins as he should. Like if you look at his wins and I think I'm accurate stat man though silver series last year at vintage and then he didn't finish and had to have a tie with Ricky had to have a tie yep yeah it's true he did not finish the tournament it, well he, the, it's the not tournament. his fault no but he can't count it as a win I don't think so long story short I feel like how good he is and I it's amazing I'm like he's gonna win it like this last weekend he's gonna do it He's so good. He's at the top. Like, he's right there, sharing it all the time. Top three, like, all the time. When he gets it, it'll be a big deal. I, I think it almost says how hard it is to win. We've, <laughs> we've had six elite events 
by divisions. So three events with two divisions, uh, six different winners. Uh, I, it, it's hard to win. There's so many people that can win. I, I, I'm not holding anything against Calvin. No, nothing held against Calvin. <laughs> In fact, if we have him on the show, I don't know if I'll bring myself to say, and welcome to the show to our Muppet looking friend. I don't think, I oh. don't think I could, but, but when he came on after my take of, he would have zero wins. He came on the next show. Cause he had the vintage win. And I said, what do you think about someone who had a hot take? You'd win nothing. And he's like, that's pretty hot take. And I was like, that's me. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I would do the same thing. I'd be like, listen, you cut your hair. All right. Wow. This was a, a longer show, but we had Paige and Lisa lined up, and it was really awesome. And Nick, you're moving into a new place where you will be able to set up your own studio. Is that accurate? Yes. And right. I can't wait. My Hopefully this is the last time I'm apologizing. If I'm in the state of Virginia from here on out, I should be able to have good quality uh, video quality and hopefully audio at the same time. So knock on wood. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, any words of wisdom for us, Ben? Eat your vegetables. What? All right. That's a good one. That's about it. I hope everyone's appreciating Ben in our, Instagram stories, Facebook stories. He's been putting down some good content in there. If you're not subscribed over there or following or liking, go do that. Yes, Nick and Matt show. Nick and Matt show. Go follow. Get to find out who our Muppet-looking producer is. <laughs> yep. It's me. <laughs> it's I've got some good comments, though. People love the stories. Good reviews so far. Yeah, man. You're killing it. Thank you. All right, Nick, go ahead and close this out. All right, everybody. Um... Since it's been such a long show, I actually forget what number we're on. But uh, thank you for tuning in tonight. Um, go ahead, leave us a like, comment, subscribe, do all those fun things. Uh, congrats, we just hit 5,000 followers or subscribers on YouTube. We are going to come up with a pretty cool giveaway, and I think we'll actually give away a ton of stuff, so that'd be really, really fun. Uh, once again, just appreciate you all hanging out with us tonight. Appreciate Paige and Lisa joining in the conversations. Tell someone you love them this week. We'll catch you in the next one. That's right. Ben, you're awesome. Evan, you're awesome. Thanks for coming, everybody. Peace out. Oh, Nick, you're awesome. The Nick and Matt Show, a disc golf podcast designed for you, the disc golfer. Find the Nick and Matt Show on your favorite podcast platforms or join the conversation live on YouTube.